Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. From trackside, 24 hours a day. This is Mobile One Radio Le Mans. This circuit has been testing cars and drivers to the very, very limits of their endurance. That's why it's called the Grand Prix d'Endurance. 2019 sees 62 hopefuls arrive in northern, in the top part of the north central part of France to pit themselves against not only their competitors, but also the most difficult uh, difficult opponent ever, time. 24 hours in front of them. Tonight, we set the grids. Four categories, officially, five possibly, and by midnight tonight, we'll know how they'll line up for tonight's, after tonight's qualifying and for the race at the weekend. Hello, everybody, I'm John Hindoff, and this is Mobile One Radio Le Mans for 2019. 91.2 FM around the circuit and around the world on RS1. Paul Truswell is with me in the studio. We've got Nick Damon and Andrew Marriott down in the pit lane for the early part of this session. Paul, a quick early thought from you. I've been talking to some of the drivers in the break. I think there's quicker times out there. I've talked to the Porsche guys, I've talked to the Toyota guys, I've talked to the Corvette guys. Everybody's going to have a go here if they think they've got a chance. I think the challenge, John, is to find somebody who doesn't think they're going to go quicker in this evening session than they did uh, during yesterday's two-hour session. Conditions now are as perfect as you could want them to be. Uh, the sun is out, the temperature has been rising steadily over the course of the afternoon. Um, it's over 20 degrees now out there. The air temperature is just over 20 degrees. Uh, now, that's just only going to drop as the evening wears on. Well, uh, it's not going to get any warmer than it is at the moment but uh, I think uh, there's going to be various key points during this two-hour qualifying session we've got two two-hour qualifying sessions but uh, during this uh, two hours the two daylight hours uh, it's going to be the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes that really count um, that's not because of any official regulation that's just the way that the teams will choose to uh, organize themselves during this qualifying session so if you're uh, around the circuit listening on 91.2 uh, get out of your tent get up close to the fence and watch because you'll need to be out straight away because I think that's what uh, a lot of the teams will be wanting to do and get out and get a quick lap in very early on in this session if they can 
Uh, let's go to Andrew Marriott straight away for a very quick word with Tommy Milner down at Corvair. Andrew. Yeah, Tommy's down here. Tommy, this session's going to be so much easier yesterday because we've got decent weather conditions now and hopefully the track will stay constant. Yeah, certainly uh, we've seen the last week or so here in Le Mans, it's been a lot of rain, but it's looking like for a while here that this today would be the day that it would clear up a little bit. And so far, it seems to be the case. So looking forward to a smoother session, both weather and uh, for us, the 64 car, less less issues that we had last night. Yeah, that dropped you well down the field. Of course, you had a very good test session, though, so you know you were in pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we've, we felt comfortable coming here for the test day what we had as far as a car and certainly we were seemed to be decently quick on the test day um, the three car was 63 car was happy with their car last night so um, I think pace is good I think everything's sort of where we expected it to be um, but now we got to put it to the pavement here and um, make it happen what do you reckon the spread will be between those 17 cars a second and a half maybe max that's probably a good guess, honestly, which is crazy to think over a lap like this to have a gap like that is pretty remarkable. So I would anticipate a really difficult race. Um, it wouldn't be surprising to see 17 GT Pro cars all on a line for quite a while. Um, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully it's like that. It'll be a lot of fun for the fans. I think a lot of fun for us as drivers. Um, but hopefully by the end of it, there's only one in front and it's a yellow Corvette. Absolutely. Weather on Radio Le Mans with Jura, Europe's number one garage interior company. www.jura.com. Well, delighted to say that the weather looks lovely this evening. Clear sky, gentle breeze, just around about three miles an hour. Uh, temperature right now at 20.8 degrees here in the centre of the Circuit de la Sarthe and full sunshine forecast all the way through at least till midnight and possibly beyond. We'll get chilly, 9 degrees overnight tomorrow, 22, Saturday, 20, Sunday, 22 and Monday is a scorcher for the pack-up and the run to the Channel Ports from Le Mans 2019. The weather is brought to you by Dura, Europe's leading workshop furniture company. In conjunction with Radio Le Mans and three times Le Mans winner Darren Turner, Dura is offering a chance to win a pair of tickets for a day in a professional race car simulator. So if you and a friend would like to hone your racing skills on any of 130 race circuits, visit Dura.com slash Le Mans before midnight on Tuesday the 18th of June. Answer two simple questions and you could be comparing your times to the professionals. For terms and conditions, visit jura.com slash So we're waiting for the green flag and the cars are already queued up in the fast lane gives us the opportunity to hear from the man at the head of Toyota Kazoo Racing, Pascal Vassalon. I caught up with him earlier on this afternoon. He's got some very interesting things to say here. And the first question I asked was, it's been a long week, a couple of weeks here at Le Bon. Isn't it time to start, go, start getting towards racing about now? We are halfway through the build-up. Uh, we have done six hours, we have four hours of practice left and um, as we have seen yesterday, many things can happen. 
How important, though, really and truthfully, is qualifying here at Le Mans for a 24-hour race? Yes, all right, 62 cars, the most ever, but still, eight and a half miles. There's a, quite a lot of room out there. I think we, in fact, we don't bother at all about um, qualification or qualification position. The only thing we we target, in fact, the only interest for us to be possibly on the front row is to get out of trouble at the start. So our view on qualifying is just in terms of risk management for the race. The qualification position itself has no influence whatsoever on the race result, except for the risk management at the start of the race. Now, it's been a long road to get here. Um, we're looking at a, a race where you guys have to be very disciplined. Uh, there's been a quiet dignity about what you and Toyota have done. Uh, you are the last man standing in terms of the teams in an LMP1 hybrid, but that doesn't guarantee anything here at Le Mans. No, I, I was asked just before if um, the fact that this year we have clearly closer competition, whether it was raising the excitation, uh, I have to say I'm excited enough just by the race itself. Uh, the challenge of the race itself is, is far enough excitement because, yes, we, we have seen uh, at least three times in the past years we had the performance, we had the fundamental reliability, we had good race management, and we failed three times when we had everything to... To, uh, to succeed. And in fact, uh, why we failed? We failed for reasons very specific to this bloody race. It means things completely unexpected, completely out of control, which put you on the back foot. And if you are not completely prepared, if you are a bit unlucky of things which are outside the range, you can repair that, you are in trouble. And this is why in the past really two years, we have fundamentally changed the way we approach the race. Uh, we have stopped piling up mileage just for the sake of doing mileage and we have spent a lot of time with the team handling unexpected situations, causing fake problems to see how the team reacts and uh, uh, even if we are sure that we have not covered all what can happen, what is certain is that now when a problem happens, it's not the end of the world for the team. They are somehow used to hear, mm, we have this or that wrong on the car, please. It's a state of mind, it's a yes, mentality. Exactly, it's, uh, it's just not being scared by a problem. A problem becoming yeah, part of the job. This is a big difference because in the previous years, I think in the mind of everyone, the problem was the end of the world. Yes. And then when we, you have this emotional approach of a problem, you don't perform well mm -hmm. to handle this problem. Hopefully we have improved that. We've done a bit of number crunching, and when I say we, I mean Paul Trustwell, our statistician, because he's the clever one. I just talk. Uh, he reckons that if the race goes full green all the way through, which of course it probably won't, but if it does and everybody drives pretty much flat out all the way through, that your cars win by 28 minutes. Now that sounds a lot in normal motor racing. That's nothing here. You can't afford any slip-ups. Uh, 28 minutes. It's uh, yeah. It's uh, the time you uh, you need to uh, to fix a, a middle-sized problem. Let's a middle-sized problem. I like the way that you you look at that. Which goes to prove that with Le Mans, nothing is ever certain because you're racing the circuit. But also for me, I always say to people when they say, "How can you get interested in Le Mans?" You're racing the most difficult uh, competitor of all time. Yes, it's. Uh, 
that's probably why uh, engineers have with Le Mans a relation of uh, hate and love, probably. <laughs> you have to love Le Mans for all the, the, the good reason uh, you know. And engineers can sometimes hate Le Mans because you, it's the most important event of your season and it can get out of your hands for many, many reasons which are not under your control. Engineers love to control things. Over a season, a racing season with 10, 15, 20 races, you get what you deserve in the end. Yes. For Le Mans, you can be the well prepared and fail. And that's what engineers hate. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. They tend to like to work in straight lines, don't they? When we're talking about engineering, we talk about mostly the people at the track, but there are all of your technical partners as well, as well of which Mobile One has been a part since the very start uh, of, of the programme. How important are their commitments to your ongoing success? Uh, of course, here we are talking about bringing a package which is at the top level, which is one of the necessary uh, conditions and it's only when you have ticked that box that you can dream about the the, the, the other uh, uh, box to tick. Uh, Mobile One is one of these partners which allow us to come with a package which has the potential to dominate and here it's something which starts a long time before because when you want to capitalize on what brings a partner like that you need to really initiate the partnership at very, very early stage to make sure that your engine, your gearbox is developed to maximize the advantage you can get from these partnerships. And that's a very good point, of course. We think of Mobile One as the engine oil, but the other lubrication that goes on, and particularly with the stresses and strains of hybrid and hybrid gearbox and, and the powertrain here, they're working with you throughout the whole of the drive-through. Exactly. And, uh, uh, sometimes, yeah, we, we, we focus on engine, but in fact, you have lubricants everywhere. And uh, lubricants have one very important property, which is that they participate to the efficiency of the and gearbox. You have some hidden performance uh, in the gearbox, because if you have a top-class gearbox with an efficiency of 98%, or you have a so-so gearbox with 95%, you have 3% of engine power, mm -hmm. which is gone in heat into the gearbox. And this is where we are really happy to get support from partners of the class of Mobile One, because we can chase these hidden gains. Mm. And we're talking about very small incremental gains there, but gains nevertheless. What about the future? What about the future of, of Toyota? We know you're back with TSO 50 next year. Is there much more development to come on the car? Or is that stationary now, is that being frozen? Now we are, um, we will be soon out of the super season, so uh, homologation-wise we have a new window opened to develop our cars and we will uh, do so, essentially bodywork. We, we have planned a bodywork upgrade which we will start testing uh, beginning of July, very soon, then the prologue in Barcelona and then there we go with, uh, with uh, Silverstone. So definitely some upgrade, mainly bodywork oriented. And then we have to wait and talk about the future when we know what the future will exactly. look like. We have to wait for Friday, uh, Friday morning to know where we go and uh, how bright the future will be. Well, I hope you're going to be part of it. I always enjoy our chat. Pascal, thank you. Let's see. Let's wait and see for Friday morning.
Pascal Vassalon talking to me earlier on this afternoon and we'll find out on Friday what the new regulations are. Meantime, Toyota Gazoo Racing 7 and 8 along with the two SMP racing cars going very, very quickly indeed. 3.69 for Elotion. There goes Nakajima with a 15.9 and quicker still Kobayashi with a 15.4. So those are the opening gambits. SMP right in there for a moment, but all of a sudden, one and a half seconds away, Paul Trustwell, from provisional pole. Uh, well, yes, but um, I mean, so I said you had to be up against the fence at the start of this session, uh, and uh, we were. I mean, it was uh, very quick indeed from the two uh, SMP cars who got out of the pits ahead of the two Toyotas, um, but they weren't quite as quick as the two Toyotas. But Aleshin and Sarazan in the 11 and 17 to SMPs, uh, very rapid indeed on that opening lap. I said they would be quicker than they were last night, and uh, I said it would be to the tune of about two seconds. Well, uh, uh, they've uh, got out there and done 16s and 17s. Uh, I think we can quite safely say we're going to be into the 14s now uh, if either Kobayashi or Nakajima have a clear lap. But there is more traffic on this lap than they had on their first laps. At, uh, some very quick laps indeed then. Problems down at Rebellion, the number one car is in a state of déshabillé, undressed. Hasn't They've been out of the pits yet. Oh, yeah, sorry, it has been out of the pits. Came straight back in at the end of its first lap. Uh, and, in fact, they both, one and three, went out, did an installation lap and came straight back in, John. Yeah, I'm down here, actually, with uh, Andre Lotra. So, already the uh, pace is uh, up. The Toyota's already gone quicker. You've got a bit of a problem with your car at the moment, I believe. No, no problem. We came in for an install lap, so uh, yeah, no surprise with the Toyotas. Obviously, uh, we know they can do those lap times from last year and from the year before, so no reason they should be slower. Uh, and hopefully, we we get a good crack at it with our traffic later. And um, it'll be difficult to beat the SMP on one lap because they're much faster on the straight line. But I think uh, the average pace is pretty pretty good compared. Yeah, and it's a big battle now because the other LMP1 uh, non-hybrids have really caught you up. I mean, it's a, it's a terrific scrap between the five of you. Yeah, that's good for racing, uh, I think. Uh, obviously, uh, the last year we were kind of best of the rest and uh, they caught up, so which is good, obviously, for, for the competition as in front for the victory does none. So hopefully we'll have a good battle with them. And is it correct, Andre, that you probably won't be here uh, next season, that you're, you're going to give Flamor a miss next season? That's, is that correct? Nothing's been announced and nothing's been decided. So um, I love this race and I uh, hope I can be uh, find a good uh, good seat. I don't know, we don't know what Rebellion's doing or what other manufacturers or other teams are doing exactly. Some we know, some we don't. So uh, Flamor is always part of my plan. Thank you very much. Let's go down to my fellow pit reporter down the other end, because, of course, Nick Damon. Down here at uh, Pit Inn, it's been a very busy time, cars coming and going, but no activity whatsoever in the 99 garage. That's the uh, Dempsey Proton Racing running in the uh, bright green Chrono Aviation colours. Uh, obviously, um, it was cracked quite badly, of course, by the, uh, the man whose name was about the door yesterday, though that was apparently due to some problems. A misunderstanding with a uh, LMP2, Tracy Crone, unfortunately had to spend the night in hospital. The, uh, the EDEC car being the car involved in the accident. So Tracy Crone's been in the night in hospital has been released. Uh,
we believe that he is being not being passed fit to race, which makes the participation of this car very unlikely. The garage itself is beautifully open. It's got uh, a big open space where cars can be. Uh, the space behind is full of tyres for the 88, which is one of the, uh, the team cars. So as it stands at the moment, it looks very much like the 99 Denti Proton will be scratching for this race. So we're down to 61, and that record number of starters is in the balance. That's a fair point, Nick. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, we've got a problem for the high-class racing Anders Fjordback driven number 20. That car is stuck right at the end of the lap, I think, and oh, yeah, he's missed the pit lane entrance and parked himself on the grass. And mm, now I think he might have to go around again here. Can he actually sneak back in on the end of the Bugatti circuit? Possibly. Um, no, he's kicked it back into gear and he's going for another lap, I think. Yeah. 3.15.4, 3.15.9 for the two Toyota Gazoo Racing TSO50s. Kobayashi Nakajima, the two Japanese drivers being given the honour of going out there. Spoke to uh, Mike Conway just as I was heading back down here and as he was heading to the pit lane, he was a bit annoyed with himself about the incident yesterday when he drove over the front of the P2 car and that was the leader at the time as well, wasn't it? Uh, and he, he put his hands up to me he said, I gave the lads too much work last night. I'm annoyed with myself. I just didn't see the yellows. The left-hand pillar, it was right behind there. Didn't see it. And it happens. Yes. That's what I said to him. It was Roberto Gonzalez. It was, uh, yes, sorry. At the wheel of the, um, uh, the number 30... Oh, lost it now. Uh, 31 car, the Dragon Speed Correct. Uh, Orica, um, which oh, he spin shared for the 30 car. Adorado and Anthony Davidson. Spin for the 30, that's Pierre Rags in the 2K Engineering Orica. Well, people are having so a bit of a go. This is all at the Ford Chicane. Yeah, we had a spin earlier on as well from Mikhail Eleshin. Yes. Uh, having done his fast lap, uh, he was going up to uh, try and do another one, I suspect. Got through Dunlop Chicane, which was a bit too fast, uh, and had a spin as he exited from the Dunlop Chicane. Since then, both Eleshin and Sarazan, both the SMP BR ones, have been into the pits, uh, and there they've stayed uh, since then. Thomas Laurent in the number three rebellion has come out. The number one car, though, is no. still in the pit. Correct. One of two cars that's not been out. The other one being that 99 Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche. Nick, see, that guy's unlikely to be seen. Quickly through the class leaders, Dempsey Proton have uh, had a mixed bag. Uh, and they are leading arm at the moment with Matteo Caroli in the 41 car. Uh, with the GG Pros, it's for Chip Ganassi, Team UK, Andy Prio quickest at the moment, 3.49.5. Sorry, should I give you the time for the Proton car? Uh, it is a 3.52.454. the 67 car. 31 leads, that's the Dragon Speed, Oregon and Davidson, 3.26.4 in LMP2. Uh, but it's just been closed down on by Stefan Raquelmi in JCDC. Orica number 38, and at the top it's the 7 and 8 TSO 50s from Toyota Gazoo Racing. Let's pick up some uh, reports from down in the pit lane. Nick Damon, first of all. 
Yeah, just uh, saw uh, you know, the number, the grey Aston Martin, the amateur car, just came in uh, with a... TF Sport, is that? TF Sport. Yeah. Stefan Sarazan out of the, uh, the BR1. Stefan, you finally shown the speed of these machines. Can they go any quicker? I don't know. Uh, I think uh, we can go quicker uh, later today. So you're going to try again when it gets a bit cooler in that kind of early, well, the early part of next session or the end of this session? Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. We try to prepare the race now. Thanks, Stefan. He's about to hop over the wheel. So that TF Sports got a problem. The uh, BRs are going well. And uh, Andrew has more. Yeah, I'm down in the uh, Scuderia Corsa WeatherTech pit here with a very relaxed uh, Cooper McNeil. Just uh, looking at his phone and sitting back in the chair. He wants me to sit down with him because that's the best way to do these interviews. Cooper, are you in reasonable shape here? You seem to be in pretty good shape. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Good. good. Yeah, so far so good, uh, WeatherTech Racing. Scuderia Corsa Ferrari is brand new as of uh, a couple weeks ago, literally just got done being built. So uh, we've got the, the best prepared race car by a team that uh, has been on the podium here multiple times with uh, all three drivers in the car also have been standing on the podium, two of which have been on the center step of the podium. One of them has been there twice. So uh, to say we, we aren't uh, in contention for the win, I think would be, would be uh, uh, incorrect. Um, Everything's good so far. The weather's perfect now, finally holding off. We've been kind of dodging that, but uh, knock on wood, looks really good for the weekend, and uh, which is, is a good good sign for us because this place in the rain is uh, treacherous, to say the least. So so to have the weather on our side with a brand-new Ferrari, I think is, uh, you know, we've got a good recipe for the win. Obviously, it's a 24-hour-long race. A lot can happen. We need a lot of luck, and we, got a lot, we need a lot of pace as well, but we'll be there. Are you just off a win in the Ferrari Challenge, I think? Yeah, I was in Montreal last weekend and I won both races, the race on Saturday and the one on Sunday. Finished the race on Sunday, hopped on a plane, flew here, and we had scrutiny Monday afternoon. Massive. Thanks very much, Cooper McNeil. Andrew Marriott down in the pit lane. Before that, Nick Damon. Uh, we have two, effectively two two-hour sessions tonight, although I think they count as one session. Do they know they're split now? Uh, right, okay. So this is this is qualifying two, and we'll have a qualifying three. Exactly right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, one hour forty-two minutes still to go. All bar two cars out. The Bicolas Racing team has been out. Uh, no, it uh, Yeah, it has. Three twenty-five two. Tom Dillman's put a time in. Uh, unless that's from yesterday. Are they showing yesterday's time? Oh, yes, they are. Cause it's showing twenty-one laps. And it can't have done 21 laps to now. <laughs> oh, so the timing screen is showing everything that they've done in qualifying up to now. Okay, so you've got a combined list. I've got a this session only list. So between right. us, we've got it covered. But uh, Well, that's not confusing at all, is uh, it? Uh, all right, so the Bicolors team haven't been out tonight. Tom Dillman uh, was last in the car yesterday. That car's in bits at the moment. Uh, the other car that hasn't been out this evening, we already talked about the uh, uh, the Dempsey Proton car number 99, the green car, but the other one that hasn't come out is the Proton car, uh, as opposed to Dempsey Proton, uh, and this is the Pret family outing. Uh, 
the, the number 78 car. Right. Yes. Uh, that car also hasn't been out in uh, this evening's session, but a very high take-up in, what, just the first uh, 18 minutes. But uh, it was interesting here, wasn't it, John, that having had that flurry of stops from uh, Stefan Sarazan mentioned it, having had that flurry of stops, uh, we're now going to go into race pace testing. Uh, but Stefan Sarazan said uh, fairly clearly that there would be quicker times coming uh, later on in the session. Uh, Nick Dearman has some very interesting news from down at Toyota Gazoo Racing. Yes, it seems the only fallout from the accident yesterday between Roberto Gonzalez and Mike Conway is not just that uh, penalty sort of Damocles hang of Mike Conway. Uh, a room was sweeping the pit lane and uh, a bit of investigation of Pascal Vassal, a lovely honest man. The number seven has changed its chassis. Now, that must be because they were worried about a crack or pedal damage or perhaps a second impact causing problems off that big swipe across the bowels of the 32. Uh, Paul, can uh, us what changing a chassis means, whether it has any implications for qualifying or starting, but they, Pascal Vassal confirms the seven changed the chassis after yesterday's accident. Thank you, Nick. Provided that uh, they register the fact that they've changed the chassis and a reason for doing so with race control, and the race control accepts the reason for doing so, and damage is a perfectly acceptable reason, uh, then that's perfectly okay. The sort of thing they want to avoid is people having uh, a qualifying chassis, which is an entirely different case, uh, where they'll have a, 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 a chassis for qualifying separate from their race chassis, and they just swap them uh, on so a there's whip. no penalty for that? There's no penalty. So they don't say, lose their times? As, as, as long as there is a good, that they do all the paperwork, and we've already uh, realised what happens if you don't do all the paperwork, and as long as the reason that they're changing the chassis is accepted by race control, and as I say, accidental damage is a perfectly good reason. The reason for having the rule that says no change of chassis is to avoid people coming along, as you remember, they did in the early 1990s. You used 1990s. to have to start from the back if you did that. We had a Paul sitting yeah. Porsche that had to have a, a chassis change due to accident damage and it had to start at the back. Um, wasn't that because they also changed class? That was the, uh, the class change as well. Okay. Um, but yes, I mean, there are different rules, but there won't be any penalty of having to start from the back uh, in this case. Okay. As I say, the, the difficulty is just doing the admin because the chassis that was scrutineered wasn't, isn't the one that's now being used. But the, as long as the paperwork's done, everything else should be all right. Nick Dearman was the harpinger of doom for uh, Dempsey Proton 99. However, in a Lazarus, <laughs> or maybe we should be calling them Phoenix Racing now. Yeah, uh, well, I did say that the, the garage was laid out very nice with a big space in the middle for a car. And there is now a, a bright green car in that space with 99. It's fully repaired. It's ready to go. However, there's no one actually working on it. They've wheeled it back down from scrutineering and they've wheeled it into the garage space. There's now no work on it. It's not being warmed up. It's sitting on uh, the dolly still. Uh, there are no names uh, on the car at all. So what the exact situation is... Oh, does that is, mean that's a new car, then? Well, I was going to say, a question for Nick is to see if it's got a scrutineering sticker on it. Uh, yeah. That's where it came from, I believe. Where, where would they hide them normally, young man? Uh, it should be on the roof or there's, alongside there's one, the race number. There's, uh, there's one on the roof um, normally, and there'll be one on the firewall on the inside. But the one on the roof is the easiest one to see because it has the class on it. There's nothing on the roof. So it'll have LMGTE Pro... Uh, so, excuse me, LMGTE Arm... There should be an orange sticker, and it will have this year's date on it. Uh, it's got a number of scrutineering stickers from 
other races in Ooh. 2018. It's got a scrutinying from the Red Bull Re in 18. I think it's Silverstone sure, and Portsmouth. This is an ELMS car, isn't it? Right. It's been, uh, that's been pulled Very in. good. But I don't, there is no sticker saying who's driving it, and there is no scrutineering sticker per se on the car. It doesn't mean he hasn't passed scrutineering up there. No. But the question really is, as there's no driver, there's no Nick Johnson, there's no uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Long, and there's no, obviously, Tracy Crone at the moment. So it's a bit of a bit of a mystery, but they have I can car. give you five letters. If you can just put Handy on there quickly. Not an issue. Nobody noticing. Not a problem, John. We'll have you in this car in two seconds flat. But, uh, yeah, so bright green, pleasure machine. Uh, I expect <laughs> this story will continue to run for the next three or four hours. Uh, perhaps they're still waiting for a final decision on whether Tracy will be fit enough to drive. Obviously, yeah. he wouldn't take part today. He doesn't need to, uh, I wouldn't think, uh, unless it get, it get dispensation with his night laps. And they'll get Pat and uh, Nick to qualify if Tracy's okay in two days. And I assume he'll be out and they'll, they'll go with it. That'll be the question, wouldn't it? Rebellion number one is on a quick lap. Uh, Neil Jarney is at the wheel of it. Uh, the car is just coming through the Porsche curves at the moment. In fact, it's already through the Porsche curves and coming into the Ford chicane. He was absolute fastest in sector one. Uh, he was a personal fastest and a, a quick personal fastest in sector two. He's now in the Ford chicane. Uh, this is the first quick lap we've seen from uh, a Rebellion. And he'll cross the line any moment now in a time for this session of... Wait for him to come through. Comes through with a three minutes, 19.748, which puts him sixth. Uh, and not as quick, actually, as Thomas Laurent has already been. So the numbers three and one rebellions in the top six, but not uh, ahead of the SMPs. Back up at uh, Dempsey Program, I have found Pat Long. Uh, Pat, long, long, lots of clapping and slapping. Does that mean it's uh, not, not happening? Uh, it means I'm very grateful uh, for the effort these guys have put in. Uh, they rebuilt this car very quickly, and it looks like the car we were running last night. I mean, even down to the vinyl. So uh, just very, very appreciative. Uh, don't have a official word on the outcome of whether or not we're going to be running this evening and therefore at the race, but uh, lots of emotion down here. So what are, you, what are you waiting to find out about whether you can run or not or whether you will run or not? Uh, I don't know what I'm at liberty to comment on right now, and uh, I'd like to keep my job, but um, there's certainly some discussions going on behind the scenes uh, on whether drivers uh, have been cleared or not, and uh, how this might all unravel here. So something, something less controversial, the guy's done a great job. Do you know where this chassis come from? Is it just hanging around the back? Have you had to bust it in from somewhere? Well, again, um, I'm going to be careful what I dish out here, but there aren't a ton of these laying around. Um, this is a, a Proton car, um, and we did receive, I believe, official um, clearance to run this car, but I think there's uh, a few more things we still have to sort out. Okay, Pat, any idea when you'll know one way or the other? No, um, I'm clearly chomping at the bit to jump in. Um, I want to make this uh, 16th start, um, but yeah, it's, we're not out of the woods yet. Appreciate you talking to you. Thanks, Pat. Cheers, mate. Red flag on the circuit. Red flag on the circuit. Now, the three car throwing smoke out of Mulzan and fluids on the track between the second chicane and Mulzan. So this is the... The rebellion racing of Thomas Laurent that's caused this problem, and they have red flagged it immediately. So it must be very, very serious. 
the Chip Ganassi Ford is in that area now. And... Well, I think he's already very gone slowly. past that area. Um, no, he's just coming to so Mulsanne now. Yeah, I think and the, the fluids uh, are on the track between second chicane and Mulsanne, yes, according okay. to the messaging system. Yeah. Uh, let's have a listen to Eduardo, who's going to talk to us. Be advised, we have liquids on track and between the second chicane and the exit of Mulsanne. We have fluids on track between the second chicane and the exit of Mulsanne. Uh, and the, it looks to me as though the rebellion's pulled up just out, uh, just off the exit of Mulsanne as well. Red flag with an hour and 33, call it an hour and four, 33 and a half minutes when that uh, came out. And looks very much to me as though the rebellion pulled over. And this is a bit of drama for Thomas Laurent and the rest of the number three car team. Remember the number one last night lost all its times after a paperwork error frankly, on a piece of equipment that they have to have but doesn't actually do anything, which is... No, I mean, as we... A bit disappointing, <laughs> annoying, <laughs> frustrating. Uh, uh, quite, yes. I mean, I'm sure there'll be somebody who uh, is... Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll move on, I think, but Hayden's team will uh, uh, not worry about whose fault it was, but to, to move on. Um, the, the important thing from the team's point of view is uh, all of their drivers did their qualifying laps last night, even though the times were wiped off. Um, I would have thought, provided they can get the car back in this session, and with the red flag that should be possible, uh, they'll be able to change the engine, uh, maybe not for the beginning of this evening's qualifying session, but certainly in order to get some... Uh, uh, times in at the end of this qualifying session. Um, they did set a time already, so they're not without a time. They've done a 319.748, uh, sorry, a 318.884. It's the number three car. Uh, Thomas Laurent has done a 318.884, uh, which is good enough for a third row of the grid uh, as it stands at the moment. Uh, and to be frank, I can't see possibly the Dragon Speed car. Uh, number 10 might improve on its time, uh, but that would be the only place that it would drop. So third row of the grid looks uh, relatively assured for the number three at least. But I think Rebellion would like to uh, have gone a little bit quicker. They, of course, don't have the benefit of a turbocharged engine, which the BRs do, which possibly enables them to um, just put a little bit more uh, boost on the car uh, in qualifying trim. Uh, the Rebellion's running with V8 Gibson engines and uh, very spectacular livery they are too, but a little bit too spectacular, I think, uh, on that occasion with, uh, as John said, Thomas Lohan pulling off on the outside of the exit of Mulsanne Corner. We've got an hour and 30 minutes to go. The clock runs. Steve Fall, one of a few, asking, uh, tweeting in to at Radio Le Mans, hashtag Mobile One RLM. Am I right that the clock stops at red flags in qualifying? Nope. No, it doesn't, uh, but, it, it but uh, <laughs> normally what they might do is add some time on at the end, but we'll hear about that later on. Or um, stop this session early and start the next session early, um, but this early into the session, it's, it's rather awkward timing, but uh, th th there is no fixed procedure. Basically, it's up, up to race control to see how long the delay is going to be and then how they're going to react to it. Um, despite the weather not being as good yesterday, we did have some reasonably good uh, track conditions at various points yesterday, and uh, with one or two exceptions, most people were able to uh, 
go uh, and set reasonable times. The hourly update with Silverstone, the home of British motor racing. Well, we've had half an hour, near enough. Had a bit of a stopped clock, or at least a car's back into the pit lane for a red flag. Three Rebellion there. Oric Ashasi sitting just on the exit of the Mulsan corner, the right-hander furthest away from where we are here at the final chicane. Here's how it stands. Now, these are the combined times. So these are the best times from yesterday's qualifying and tonight, which is why the Dempsey Proton Racing number 88 has 27 laps next to its name. Matteo Caroli has been in the car, 3.52.4. That's how it stands right now, and that's the top arm runner. Second, Team Project 1, Jörg Bergmeister, exactly as it was last night with a 3.52.7. And Spirit of Race, Giancarlo Fisichella make it three different manufacturers in the top three in arm. Uh, with that Ferrari number 54 in third position with a 53-3. In GTE Pro, as it was last night, the Harry Tinknell time stands 3.49.5 from Nick Tandy in the Porsche and Aston Martin's Johnny Adam. And I'm pretty certain that none of those times have been improved since last night. Paul will uh, tell us that when we've done the update. 67, 93, 97 are those three cars. On the combined times in LMP2, Dragon Speed still lead with Anthony Davidson going out this evening in the Orica. 326.4, 326.8 for JCDC Racing's Orica. The 38, the mighty 38 in second. Gabrielle Aubrey was last in that car. And in third place, 36 Signatech car. And uh, that, that's another Orica, isn't it? Although badged as an Alpine. 326.9. Uh, Delara in fourth position is racing team Netherlands. That's the 29 car. United Autosports number 22. Phil Hansen's been out this evening in the best of the Leisure's 27-3. So less than a second then uh, between those top five. Uh, and they have got the Delara and the Leisure in that top five. So we have got a bit of variety in P2. Toyota Gazoo racing first and second now with a 3.15.4 and a 3.15.9. Both of those improvements for the seven Toyota Gazoo racing TSO 50 of uh, Kaz, uh, Kaznak, sorry, for Kamui Kobayashi and Kaznak Ajima in the eight car. Uh, they both set those times this evening. Michaela Lotion set the... 369 this evening as well, effectively on his first flying lap in the number 11 for SMP, who also have the fourth placed LMP1 car and therefore the top two in the non-hybrid class if there was such a thing. Sergei Sarotkin uh, has been out in that car most recently. Thomas Laurent has caught the red flag. He stuck out at Mulsanne, but Neil Janney uh, has at least been out in that rebellion, I think, this evening uh, and has turned a lap after being slightly late on parade. One hour, 26 and a half minutes still to go. We're under red flag at Le Mans. The hourly update with Silverstone, the home of British motor racing. Track temperature on Radio Le Mans with Dunlop, winning for over 130 years. 
Well, with a bit of sunshine that we've had late into the afternoon and early evening, track temperature is, I think, as high as we've seen it. This, sorry, I think as high as we've seen it. Only dolphins and cats could hear me there. At 27.2 degrees Celsius, the air temperature here in the TV compound and around the Circuit de la Sar, 20.6 degrees Celsius. Track temperature on Radio Le Mans. With Dunlop, winning for over 130 years. Okay, well, I'm down at Rebellion, where obviously they've had what sounds like a catastrophic engine failure. I'll check that out in a minute. I have to tell you, the number one car has been struggling a little bit with the brake problems and bleeding the rear brakes again, which is the second time they've done this. But let me just see who's down in the driver area. And, uh, oh, we've got Bruno Senna down here. Bruno, obviously, we've got a bit of a halt here, which is a bit frustrating. It seems your other car has uh, blown an engine. Yeah, it uh, seems that there's a problem with the engine. We don't know exactly what it is yet, but uh, not ideal for a long race. Luckily, of course, it's the, they already did their qualifying run, so everything is, uh, is done. Lots of track time lost, but uh, for them, it's important that the race engine is not in the car, so uh, hopefully they will learn what, whatever happened in this engine, and for the race, we'll have no reliability issues. Have you been in your car yet? Not yet, not yet. We seem to have a few brake issues. They've been bleeding the brakes. Seen them do it a couple of times. Uh, we, we change brakes uh, before the session, so it's normal to have to bleed the brakes, but everything is working well. Perfect. Bruno Senna. Such a gentleman, that young man. And great to have him having another go at sports cars. I think it's fair to say he didn't really get the best go of it uh, in the first. Let's have a listen to United Auto Sports Radio for the 22 car. How long this might be? Uh, it wasn't that much oil. Um, only a small bit, and then it was just a rebellion parked on the side. Okay, copy that. What we'll probably do is, when they go green, we'll let some people do a few laps, make sure it's okay before we go. Yeah, copy. Also, one more thing. Uh, I thought it was just me, but Philippe saying a similar thing. I don't know if he said the same thing, but my feeling from the engine was that there was just more vibrations in the cockpit. I thought, oh, maybe my earpieces aren't properly in properly, because it just felt like the whole thing was vibrating a bit more. So that's Phil Hansen talking to Gary Robertshaw uh, down there. The distinctive North Tyneside tones of Gary Robertshaw, who was a very, very tidy open-wheel driver uh, and karting star back in his day. And uh, has taken to engineering very, very well indeed. Come through GTs and now into prototypes. Uh, let's take a bi-collars update. How's the Lego coming on down there, Nick Damon? Uh, it's in bits. Uh, they've taken off the kind of the front panel section, right in the front of the nose, which uh, contains the, the, well, washer bottles, the actual pressure bottles for both the front and rear brakes and the clutch. Um, it's, uh, it's looking like quite a long job. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven mechanics. I wonder why they actually try and place a power steering. Uh, Colin's here. Colin, what's the problem with the car? I don't know. We have some brake problems. Uh, Colin, it was announced earlier that you're going to be uh, trying to enter the hypercar regulations if they're, when they're announced tomorrow. Is that correct? Yeah, we are building a car. And, and, and is that when will you announce it? When will you actually see it on the road? Yes, we will announce it tomorrow. And that, I believe, also means you'll be running a limited program for the WEC next year. This is our intention, yes. Is that because you don't have the resources to do both, or you just think that the, the, the extra resources is too much? There are bigger companies in this world which have no resources to bring a hypercar. I think it's a big task. Have you decided will it be a hybrid hypercar or a normally powered hypercar? We are building a car which will enable also to fit with a hybrid system if a hybrid system will be available.
and that will be a by Collis or are you looking for a manufacturer partner? At the moment, uh, it's Collis or by Collis who is building the car and that's it for the moment. There's nothing more to say because we, uh, the only thing which I can say is that we are building the car. It's great to hear though. Thanks. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> One of two manufacturers that will be announced on Friday. Yeah, just to see what it does, and maybe you do only two laps or three, and then uh, we have enough, and then we uh, we go back or something like this. That was the number eight Toyota Gazoo racing car, Kaz Nakajima, being talked to by his engineer, uh, Chris L has tweeted in using the hashtag mobile one radio Lamont. how do i get the same timing screen as paul as john and john uh well, you have to be here that is what you get at the track if you are here you can see that on the screens i don't believe that makes it out of the circuit to be honest all of the uh, official timing screens are behind a paywall on the wc app if you want to go that route uh, so let's go down to Andrew while we've got some downtime. Red flag for cleanup after the three rebellion has had a problem. Thomas, Thomas Laurent stranded out at Mulzan. Uh, plenty of people out there we know that could give him a cup of tea though, Andrew. Uh, where are you? Well, I'm in uh, Dragon Speed. I'm going to uh, dive in with Ant first. Ant, all looking pretty good at the top of the pile here. Yeah, so far so good. Uh, the car's feeling good again. Pasta had a good run uh, on the new tyre and um, yeah, it's, we, we're now just turning the attention to the long run we were turning the attention to the long runs and uh, race balance and then uh, yeah the red flag comes out now you've got a different deal for next year but keeping the same three drivers i believe that's correct yeah so um nice no, we got a good uh, car crew with uh, roberto pastor and myself and you know we gel well we we, we clicked um from early on with my first race in silverstone with them and yeah we're just um you know learning each other more and more and, and things are getting better all the time with each other Strong operation here, but not like being with a manufacturer. Do you miss being uh, with Toyota full-time racing? Oh, I'm full-time racing. Um, it's just in, a, in the LMP2 class now and not LMP1. So um, you never know for the future. You know, maybe one day get back into LMP1, but so far I'm still contracted with Toyota um, and I'm not allowed to compete against them. So, <laughs> so I find myself in uh, LMP2, but I'm really enjoying it. It's great racing. Um, there's no BOP balance of performance and um, and you can really fight tooth and nail with everyone around you so I'm, I am really really enjoying my racing again I got John Hindoff in by here so he's asking me to ask you a question so you can't go in an LMP1 non-hybrid either no that's, that's that's clear isn't it and thanks oh, we're very much enjoying as ever your analysis on sky I have to say that I'll be back in France so uh, yeah I miss Canada but yeah looking forward to France okay let's just dive over because we've got Pastor Maldonado here great to have you really back at the forefront of motor racing we missed you for a while pastor thank you ah, it's okay we we've been working quite hard and uh, yeah we we seem to be quite quick so big confidence we are working hard to make the car even quicker and, and more solid more consistent and here we are yeah so sorry about what's happening with venezuela is it going to sort itself out soon it's a non-racing question but uh, you know the whole world's watching yeah, of course, it's, uh, it's quite sad, you know, especially for my people, but we are looking forward, and I hope they really best for my country. Thank you very much for that, Pastor Maldonado. Well, I can actually pop straight across the, the other side of the garage here because we've got uh, Ben Hanley here. Just losing a bit. Ben, can you just come here because the signal's just a bit uh, dodgy here? 
Well, what a few weeks it's been for you. So disappointed, of course, about the situation at, at Indy, but it must have been just a massive mega experience. Yeah, something completely different. You know, it's like the oval thing is is like a different sport almost. You know, it's yeah, completely completely new new sensation of, of how to drive a car. So yeah, it was a, an amazing experience to do them two weeks over there. Had you been to Indy before? Had you seen it as a spectator or anything? Uh, no, I've been watching it on TV, but you know, I tried to watch a lot of onboards before I went there to to try and get a handle and when they change like the bars and the weight jacker and stuff. And but it's really difficult to 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 get that feeling through watching the video. So when you're out there, then then you really understand. And reading the track temperature, reading the wind, and all those different issues that come. Yeah, they're pretty tough. You know, I'd, we had quite a good team team around us, so we managed to keep our focus and, uh, and and be patient as well you know a big thing about that track is being patient and not pushing too hard too soon so yeah for, for our first effort we we hit all the targets and unfortunately we ended the race early with a drive shaft but we didn't end up in the wall and that's the main thing meanwhile the other mega non-formula one race of course is here at Le Mans and you've got a strong car as far as I can see yeah it's been it's been good so far we've, we've had a couple of little little technical issues every now and then why we had to stop last night on track uh, but hopefully we've we've managed to resolve that. We know what it is. Uh, we've made some changes to to prevent it from happening again. So hopefully we can just get some good running, good running, and and see where we are for the race. Just hearing over the headphones here. Going to restart in 10 minutes' time. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Nick Dearman uh, there. First of all, uh, Jesse has just tweeted in using the hashtag Mobile1RLM here. Great interview by Nick, trying to get as much information as he could about the new car. Well done uh, with Colin Collis there. So we know now that it's going to be Toyota and Collis who are announced tomorrow as the two initial manufacturers. Two more to come at the end of the first season is what we're hearing on the grapevine round here. I couldn't see his face there when you asked him about hybrid. Um, it's been suggested to me that hybrid will only be optional in the new regulations, which were signed off by the endurance committee on Tuesday. Uh, what did you gain from his facial expression there? That's Nick? what I heard. But I get the impression he's building a, a car because the, the idea obviously is to make this commercial, building a car that will have the ability to take a, to, the ability to take a hybrid powertrain or a non-hybrid powertrain. If there is one, of, if, if there's, there's one, one made available. available. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you know, Colin's quite a hard person to read at, at the best of times, to be honest. But uh, you know, he was he was effectively uh, announcing what we we had, we, we were, had heard rumoured. The obviously the other rumours about people are going to enter, uh, and there's more flesh being added to the bones about some form of Red Bull Aston Martin entry coming in. Uh, uh, and obviously you have Glickenhaus as well who've said in advance they're going to enter. Obviously the car, uh, the announcement, the uh, regulations matches their car. So we could have three. Uh, well, the, the word that I'm hearing is that the press conference tomorrow there will be solidly announced two cars. Uh, a source uh, from Toyota has told me that we will have someone to compete against and there will be more to come at the end of the first season. So two in the first season and two more for the second season. So that's uh, 22, uh, sorry, 21-22, uh, mm. because it's 2021 is the first season. Uh, let's just have a quick listen to Toyota Kazoo Racing. Okay, Kazuki, we changed the form then. We put the, uh, other, way, the other one on, which has the, uh, the gurney. So uh, in the numbers, it should be the same balance, but more than fourth. So the delta could be only from the, the past uh, performance uh, themselves. Uh, we will check on the data what you get anyway. This one. Okay, copy. So gurney flap on the uh, the rear wing 
of that car. Back to Nick Damon about this um, much vaunted announcement tomorrow from the yes. ACO about their regulation. What we do know is we're going to get the entry for the next season of the WEC, which is, this is like massively uh, unusually timed because of course we haven't done this before where we've finished the season now um, but it's it's actually spot on really when you think about it because we start racing again at the end of August beginning of September at Silverstone yep last weekend of August we'll be tripping down to Silverstone for both the ELMS which will be one of their penultimate round of this year and the start of next year so that's not confusing you at will all. be but I'll the be WC. in Barcelona mate. Well, uh, if only Tim was there with the uh, the correct jingle at that point <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I think uh, everyone's been very positive actually about yeah. the numbers of WEC next year. The I'm hearing year. 28. That's that's 28 full season, but there's a lot of people who are dipping in, dipping out, from what I've heard. So I think you're going to see that kind of the 28 on the on the on the uh, you know on the freight, and then you know some races 35, some races 32, and that sort of thing. So there's no real, uh, yeah. The, the the rumors of WEC's demise are much overstated, but uh, I think that moving forward, yeah, we all know the big the big question is about the following year, which of course is the uh, the 2021 season. So two manufacturers to be announced. Thanks, Nick. Uh, on Friday, Toyota, and now we believe Collis, if Colin Collis uh, is uh, to be believed, which is what he's just told Nick Damon. Let's go down to Kessel before we go green uh, in about three minutes' time, and this is Andrew Marriott. Yeah, uh, I, I want to first congratulate Nick Damon because the most difficult man to interview in the whole of motor racing, in my mind, is Colin Collis. Most of his questions, his answers about five words long, but a couple of them were longer, and we got the information, so well done for that. I'm with the Manuela Gosta down here in this uh, Kessel racing car. Well, you, we normally see you in Ferrari Challenge, and then you had the great result, of course, uh, earlier in the season at the ELMS, but what about them all? This is a new dimension. Oh, this is amazing. To be on the other side of the Ferrari Challenge paddock in the main event is uh, is something really huge. I love the atmosphere here. This is uh, such a, an amazing race that there are so many defaults around the track. It's unbelievable cool. Had you been here before in the Ferrari Challenge? Yes, I've been here three years ago in the Ferrari Challenge for the first time. Already that was, was so cool. The track is unique. But now to do it the, in the in the 24 hours event, it's even more, it's even better. You must have been so pleased with your result, the ELMS. Then. You had a good result earlier in the season in the ELMS. Yes, yes, we are very happy. We we uh, we have done our first race in the at Porikan in the LMS. We finished second after we uh, the race at Monza. We finished sixth. So far, we are very happy. And you've got Michelle Mouton. has been in the back of the garage helping you, but she must be a big inspiration. A fast woman rally driver in the world, but one of the fastest rally drivers. In world in the days of the quattro oh yes she's such an inspiration and my totally idol i love her so much and she's here supporting us and and that gives us a huge energy and love to see your race suit it says iron dames on it women drive by dreams nice thoughts yep very good thank you uh Michelle Bouton missed out the won the world championship if my memory serves and somebody will look this up i think by a point back in those days very happy to be standing out in the forests of North Yorkshire. Andrew was talking about Dolby Forest earlier on. I've marshaled there. Uh, I blagged my way in there with um, amber lights on the top of a 1219 Samba rally. 
uh, that I used to run around in. Uh, Nick Damon is down at Ford with Scott Dixon. Uh, Scott, with your you know, very busy engine car programme, is this like a kind of weekend off? Uh, it's kind of that summer stretch, right, where, you know, I think this almost works into like eight or nine weekends in a row. But it, it's a lot of fun, man. Like, uh, honestly, the most fun I have is when I'm driving. So it's nice to, to come here, obviously, uh, being the third wheel uh, in this situation. You don't get too much time in the car, but it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, this event uh, coming here for the first time in 2016 with this board program has been uh, very enjoyable. Uh, sad to see it go, I guess, if, if it does in that full capacity, but um, you know, hopefully we can have one last uh, proper crack at it. This is the last year of the Ford program. Will you be looking for a drive elsewhere for Le Mans next year? Uh, yeah, I would. You know, I think, um, you know, we'd definitely look at maybe some of the prototype stuff and maybe even the GT. It's, it's you know, I think for me the, the biggest thing was coming here with the team that I know and a lot of people that I've worked with in an environment that made it very easy for me to come in, in 2016. So, yeah, if the opportunity arises, we'll definitely look at it. Running back this year again, how do you feel the Ford in its, in what maybe its last year is comparing against the other GTE cars? Now everyone's had a, even you know, the, the new ones from last year, the BMWs have been developed. Do you think you're still up the front of those? Honestly, I think it's really hard to tell until you get into, you know, the last half of the race. Um, you know, it, it seems like the speeds that everybody does, you know, really adjust. And, and some of the teams are really able to turn up at the end. Um, you know, I think one of the hard parts with our program is that we don't have that turn-up ability, you know, for the last few hours of the race. But we'll see. I think, um, you know, the Corvette looks strong, the Ferrari, the Porsche does too, and even the Aston yesterday. So, you know, we'll see what happens, man. We'll, we'll give it our best and hopefully... Thanks, Scott. Now, you hear by all the noise in the background there while Nick was talking to Scott Dixon. What a smashing chap he is. And Scott Dixon. Uh, that uh, we've got cars back out on the circuit exactly as we expected. Uh, I'm hearing this news from Tracy Cron, so we're going to send Nick straight down to there to find out what is happening. Uh, and let me have a quick look. Uh, ah, right. Tracy has been uh, mandated to refrain from racing in FIA events for at least one week until the mandatory protocol has been completed. He's going to respect that and he will not be competing. It's a disappointment for the Dempsey Proton competition team headed up by Christian Reid. Thanks to Patrick Long and Nick Johnson. And... Uh, I respect this FIA decision as a safety precaution. Look forward to competing again in next year's race. Uh, this, uh, that was just in from Crone Racing. We'll try and get you something uh, with Nick live in just a moment or two's time. What's Tracy Crone on the entry list for the 24 hours of the Nürburgring? Because he's been doing some of the VLN races and That's going a good question. the process for his launch uh, life permit as well. So um, one week uh, gives him time to recover in time for uh, the launch lifer. Um, for the race. In terms of this weekend's events, um, <laughs> I, I kind of feel for him. Uh, as far as I understand, the main problem issue was with his back. The minimum drive time at the one six hours. So uh, it would have been a tall order to ask him to do the minimum drive time. And uh, yes, I think uh, we'll wait and see exactly what uh, uh, other uh, announcements there are coming from um, from uh, Dempsey Proton Racing. 
the number one rebellion, its sister car, the number three, having been the cause for that red flag when it launched its engine out on the Mulsanne Strait, uh, the number one car first one out once the good uh, for them. green flag was waved. Yes, yeah, so indeed, good for them. Uh, and that has uh, taken to the tracks. Neil Jarney back at the wheel of it, uh, and he is now on a flying lap, having uh, completed an installation lap very rapidly indeed. Of course, with the track being relatively empty because everybody was off it, he's going to get at least two-thirds of the lap absolutely clear. It's going to be in the final sector when he starts to catch the traffic. Um, and he'll be keeping his fingers crossed that uh, he, he doesn't meet any of that traffic. But in effect, what we've got is the first 20 minutes, uh, which were very exciting, kind of put on repeat mode. Yes, um, But Good probably point. only for a certain number of cars that want to go out. And of course, neither of the rebellions uh, went out particularly early in that first session. Uh, I want to go down to Andrew. I think he's been trying to call me. Uh, Andrew, what do you have? Yeah, well, I'm uh, right at the end of pit out here in the uh, jumbo pit with uh, Nick De Vries. Now, I might have to get Nick out of the uh, office because I know the signal isn't very good down here. No, it's um, fine. It's fine. Me... It's fine when you're it? on air. Okay, yeah, I can hear you perfectly okay. there. Uh, see if Nick is, Nick is still here. Yes, he is. Nick, firstly, since we spoke at Sebring, you've had a fantastic win at Monaco. Well done. On Can you just... It is just breaking up. Yeah, it would be better down here. Yeah. I mean, you must be very proud of that. Uh, yeah. I mean, Hang on. So we're going to go to the front of the garage, uh, John, because it, it just isn't quite working. This is the furthest point. Right, this, this should be better. Sorry about that. No worries. We're a long way from our receiver. No worries. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah. just talk to me about Monaco and winning the F2 race. Yes, that was obviously a great weekend, but we're here at Lamar this weekend, and uh, we have to uh, do the job this, uh, this weekend over here. A sort of final goodbye to the Dallara, really, here. Uh, yes, unfortunately, yes, but, uh, you know, life goes on. We obviously try to do uh, the maximum job we can, and uh, we want to set a good result for, for the team, for everyone, um, in our last weekend with, with the team. And uh, so far, it's gone, it's gone well, but uh, we'll have another qualifying at this evening. Circuit, Nick. What a fabulous circuit it is at Le Mans. Yeah, it's my first time here. I mean, at the last week of the test. And it's obviously a combination between uh, normal roads and a circuit, which is very unique. And uh, I am really, really enjoying it. It's very tough to get a free lap, which is sometimes a little bit frustrating. But uh, it's honestly very, very, very enjoyable. Excellent. Great to talk to Nick De Vries. Uh, uh, right Turn Lover has tweeted in using the uh, hashtag uh, R. Uh, mobile one RLM, uh, Jesse Kron on the entry list for the Nürburgring, but no Tracy as yet. So, right, I, I, and I know no Tracy vision. has done a couple of BLM yes, races has. this no, year. No, you're right. And I think the objective is to get his permit with a view to doing the race next year, probably. Um, looking out for Neil Jarney, he's come through and he's set an improved time. So a 3.17.313 puts Neil Jarney up to fourth, ahead of Sergei Sorotkin's SMP BR1. So the two Toyotas first and second, SMP BR1, uh, which was a Mikhail Leshin time, that's third fastest. Neil Jarney with the Rebellion, now fourth fastest. The gap between them, just three tenths of a second. That's the gap between the uh, SMP BR1 and the Rebellion. Neil Jarney just had gone through. Beautiful evening here at Le Mans as we head towards eight o'clock with just over an hour still to go here. It's Paul Truswell and John Hindorf in the Mobile One Radio Le Mans 91.2 FM studio and out 
in the pits, Nick Damon and Andrew Maria. And we'll have the second hour of racing live from trackside in just a few moments' time. Weather on Radio Le Mans with Jura, Europe's number one garage interior company. www.jura.com Absolutely smashing evening. Could not be better in terms of weather conditions after all the trials and tribulations of the week. Uh, we're looking at a fine, clear evening. Overnight temperatures dropping to a rather chilly nine degrees. Gentle breeze, clear sky. Well, wind coming in from the south-southwest. Temperature here in the middle of the circuit right now, 26.7 degrees on the track and 20.4 degrees Celsius in the air. Outlook for Friday and Saturday, overcast but sunny periods, 22 and 20 degrees and Sunday, 22 degrees Celsius with Monday being the best day over the weekend for the drive home or when you're packing up your tents, 26 degrees and full sunshine here at Le Mans. The weather is brought to you by Dura, Europe's leading workshop furniture company. In conjunction with Radio Le Mans and three times Le Mans winner Darren Turner, Dura is offering a chance to win a pair of tickets for a day in a professional race car simulator. So if you and a friend would like to hone your racing skills on any of 130 race circuits, visit Dura.com slash Le Mans before midnight on Tuesday the 18th of June. Answer two simple questions and you could be comparing your times to the professionals. Terms and conditions, visit Jura.com slash Le Live from Trackside. From Trackside. On 91.2 FM and online at RadioLeMond.com. At RadioLeMond.com. You're listening to coverage of the world's most famous motor race, the Le Mans 24 Hours on Mobile One Radio Le Mans. One hour exactly to go here at the Le Mans 24 hours in this third qualifying session. Paul Trustwell, John Heindorf, Nick Damon and Andrew Marriott are your team. And at the moment, it's Toyota Kazoo Racing locking out the front row with their two TSO 50s on what can only be described as a perfect, picture perfect, at northern central France evening. Out on the circuit at the moment, for the vast majority of the cars with just uh, about half a dozen or so not out there, two of which are, are circumstances beyond their control. Dempsey Proton Racing uh, not taking part in this session. Tracy Crone has not been cleared to race. He needs to take a week out of all FIA-sanctioned competition, and that will take him out of this race, which would suggest that that car is not going to take part. So we're down to 61. Meantime, the Rebellion Racing number three, Thomas Laurent, uh, ground to a halt out on the circuit. And there was a new iteration of the Gibson power plant for that car. Not sure whether it was in there. Maybe get down. I know they'll be busy, but I'm sure either Andrew or Nick will be uh, happy to speak to us on that. I'm sure we'll get down to to Bart. Uh, meantime, Dragon Speed still lead LMP2, Chip Ganassi Ford UK still lead Pro, and the other Dempsey 88, 
car still leads. Um, uh, we'll go down our pit reporters now and clear up some of those starties. Let's uh, stories. Let's start with Nick Damon, Andrew to go. Uh, with Jerome uh, Bleekemolen, an old friend of the RSL show, you know, we, we see you all around the world, and now at Le Mans with a Ford. Yeah, it's it's just brilliant. I don't have other words for it. Um, when I drove out for the first time at the test day, it, it was just an amazing feeling. Uh, and you don't even see the car from outside sitting in it, but uh, it's just something special to, to drive with this car at Le Mans. With the 85 wins car, of course, is it exactly the same specification as the cars next door with the works team? Uh, yeah, we got a little less power uh, from the VOP side because the M class is uh, supposed to be a little bit slower than the Pro. But uh, otherwise, uh, we're really getting good help from those guys. You know, we're getting help on setup and, and anything we want, basically. So uh, the Ganesi guys have been amazing. They've helped us through this from the beginning until now, and they're really supporting us. You've driven so many things with the roof over the last five or six years in very many different classes. How does this car compare to the rest? Uh, to me, this is uh, an awesome car to drive. It's almost feels like you're sitting in a prototype again. Um, you know, it's such a low car, you're low to the ground. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of in between a prototype and a GT car, I would say. We always get the impression you're the busiest man in motorsport, you're racing everywhere. How many weekends off do you have a year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to look in, into it too much because uh, otherwise I might get in trouble at home. But uh, no, I mean, it's busy. But uh, I think 10 years ago, I was the only one doing that many races. Now there are quite a few good GT guys that do the same. But it's fun. We, we travel the world. We see awesome tracks. And, uh, you know, like we're here now and the next 24 is already again next weekend. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to do. You're right. Thanks a lot. I'm in rebellion. Actually, I can get hold of Hugh de Schonach here, boss of Areca, Mr. French Motor Racing, with so many different hats. And uh, firstly, let's just uh, talk about the uh, car. It, presumably, it blew up, did it? Was it an engine complete engine failure? Yes. Uh, it's an, it seems to be an engine failure. We we have to wait that the car is coming back, just to know exactly what happens. We are very surprised because. Uh, we have never any uh, engine problem before, so it's for that that uh, we are in a hurry to understand what happens. So we understand there was a development Gibson engine. Was this a development engine or was this the, the regular motor? Yes, it's a development engine, but it's not a big development. It's just, uh, it's also reliable uh, development. So we, for the moment, we don't understand. You must be so proud of what you've achieved over the years at Le Mans. We're talking about Mazdas, Vipers, all these different makes you'd help to win this particular race. How do you keep your fingers in all these pies? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I am a big, uh, I am in love with Le Mans 24 hours. So uh, we try with different uh, cars to, to be successful. We have a huge success in LMP2 uh, and uh, we want just to try to be at the maximum and at the top always. Now just talk, going back to the engine, will you go back to a standard engine or this slightly upgraded one when you put the new engine in? No, I think that we have a plan to put uh, two new engines on each car tomorrow and we are not going to change our plan except if we find something tonight. Favourite Le Mans moment? Uh, for me, one of the great moments was that master winning. It was a, one of the loudest racing cars there ever was. 
Yeah, it was a, a great moment because it was a unique car yeah. with a unique engine, uh, with a unique noise, and it was not the car expecting uh, to win uh, that race. Uh, so it was just uh, unique at that moment. Yeah, it was fantastic. Great to talk to you and your massive empire. It's, you've done such a brilliant job in motor racing. Thank you. Hello to Simon Tibbetts. Great coverage so far. Says, uh, listening from the US, thank you for keeping me entertained. Barnaby Scarf, who asked that question about what would happen if everybody went flat out to the end, and Paul worked out that was 28 minutes advantage to Toyota Gazoo Racing, which Pascal Vassalon was very interested in, by the way, when I spoke to him today. Uh, uh, he is on the road to Portsmouth at the moment for the furry, and it looks like he's not got a lot of room in the back of a car. He's sitting right next to the cool box, but he's on his way to Le Mans, Paul, so it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it, the, the journey to Le Mans is always, is always a good journey. Um, so, yeah, whether you've got a cool box next to you or uh, um, the, it's, uh, it's always a great, uh, great journey to, uh, to be able to make. And great to hear, thanks uh, to Andrew Marriott for catching up with you to show now. Um, one of my personal heroes as well in uh, Le Mans terms. Um, as he said, he's in love with the event. Uh, and he's one of those people for whom the sport somehow triumphs over all the other aspects of business and commerciality that uh, sometimes uh, blights what we do here. But uh, Hugh is just uh, first and foremost a sporting uh, a sporting enthusiast and, and he loves what he does. And uh, great to hear from him and Andrew there. Uh, talking about various events that they've done together. Uh, Nick Dearman is going to give us another update. What you got, Nick? Well, you can't miss a three, can you? It's uh, it like an easy on the eye. Uh, to me, it looks like a, a kind of a... You've basically let a couple of three-year-olds lose some highlighter pens, but um, anyway... Actually, uh, I think it looks like somebody's thrown up on a bus seat. <laughs> well, it very much reminds me of the old Tyneside Passenger Transport yeah. Executive... Uh, seat design back in the 1980s. There I didn't like lot. it then and I'm not sure about there it There is a now. lot of 80s feeling about it. I mean, yes. you, always expect, you always expect the next thing to have is a rah-rah skirt but, um, or a wham record. But anyway, uh, they are wielding it out. They pushed it. It's now arrived at its garage. It was uh, obviously unmarked because it's, it's internally gone pop uh, but there was a bit of oil dry. They've thrown on the back of the, uh, the, the rear valance effectively and so obviously they're just mopping up some oil that have fallen mm. out the back of the exhaust. But uh, yeah, so uh, that's back. That won't be going out for a while, and they'll be putting two new engines in. Two, two new engines in two cars, he said. That's very quick. And four new engines. Yeah, uh, a lot of engines. It's very funny watching everybody follow that car up the pit lane, all with their helmets on, which is mandated by the pit lane regulations. And Lu Louise uh, Beckett, who's working for WEC t TV, just walking up the pit lane with no helmet on. Because it's TV, obviously, so anything that gets thrown around in the pit lane will never hit her on the head. I mean, what was uh, important as well about what Hugh was saying, um, they were going to change the engines anyway for tomorrow. Yes, of course, um, which is standard operational procedure. Is, uh, uh, as, you know, one of the reasons why we have Friday off, um, in a certain sense, is to enable race preparation to take place. And uh, one of the kind of pieces of race preparation that he's done is to uh, put uh, a new engine in most of the cars. Uh, the number one rebellion continuing to lap quickly. Uh, Andre Lotterer has taken over at the wheel of the uh, number one car. Uh, he's, uh, it was Neil Jarney who uh, was setting the times in the number one earlier on. Well, uh, Andre is now behind the wheel. Uh, in the two Toyotas, we've had a driver change in the number seven. Uh, Mike Conway's taken over in the number seven car now. Uh, Kaznakajima 
I was going to say stays out, has jumped back in after a five lap stint mm. uh, in the number eight car. Uh, and so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, what we're going to get now, I think, John, is for around about the next half an hour um, race pace demonstration. Yes. So uh, this is the time where I can't start looking at average lap times rather than fast lap times as people uh, go through race preparation. Um, they'll be going through making sure that their spare body work fits. So there'll be uh, quite a lot of activity, I suspect, in the pit lane. Um, although it won't necessarily be problems, there'll be bodywork changing, uh, as I say, to make sure the spare bodywork locates properly. Uh, they'll just be uh, bedding in extra pads, making sure they've got extra parts available that, uh, that are suitable for the race. Um, and that, I think, will be the programme for the next half hour. I'm down here with uh, Paul Lucetta, uh, former European Le Mans champion. Uh, am I right? You were on the pole last year in LMP2, weren't you? Yes, yes. Last year we did the pole position, and you know we'll try to to do the best as we can this year. But obviously, the the most important is the race. But are you going to try for pole then? Yeah, yeah. Of course, we, we will try. Yesterday we, we were running a great lap before to be a bit uh, locked uh, in the last corner, so we lost a second. So I, I think the car should be able to give us a, a top three after pole position or not. In fact, it's important for the Thursday and the Friday, but after after Saturday, uh, after the start of Saturday, we just think about the race. Yeah, the Lafargue family, Lafargue family are building a very good team here. We've got obviously Nicholas Manassian, the sporting director, and this is a growing team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. The team is improving year by year. By year. You know, Nicolas Minachon did a really great job as Patrice Lafargue, and uh, I'm really happy to be part of this team. Each year we are better, so we want to continue like that, to stay focused on, on our job, and if we do a good job, maybe we'll have a good result. Thank you very much. So that's the 2014 European Le Mans Series champion, pole sitter last year. And whilst Andrew was uh, talking, the ARC Bratislava car had a quick spin in the hands of Mila Konopka. And Ligion Dunlop ties sitting 19th in LMP2. Don't think it hit anything. Got close to the barriers. We don't have camera coverage out in the qualifying sessions, of course, out the far side. So we're relying on reports from the marshals and any replays that are sourced from the CCTV cameras out there. Uh, in years past, we've had access to CCTV as well on the TV screens, and we could scroll through them ourselves. Last year, the first year that we didn't have any coverage out in the country for a decade or so. We don't even have that this year, so we are completely relying for our eyes out in the country uh, on uh, what comes up on the international feed. Might have to go back to the days of sending people out with walkie-talkies. I was down just there. thinking, where's Graham Tyler? When yeah, you need Tyler. <laughs> about time to come out of uh, retirement, mate. Go down and sit at Indianapolis and Arnage. We've got a few people down at Mulzano who've been tweeting in at Radio Le Mans. Hashtag, must use the hashtag Mobile1RLM. That gives us a chance to see that pop up. Decent crowd on the backside at Drivers Right at the MM Arena at Turt Rouge. But a lot quieter in the paddock earlier on today, which made it easier to get around and do our jobs. By the way, great job today by uh, Nick Dearman and Joe Bradley. Uh, when, Porsche, when Paul and I were on the air to get uh, the interviews live, which is something a little new, came on the air early today just to 
extend our coverage already with the most live coverage of any broadcaster around the world Saved and us. the biggest audience. Saved us a lot of work, didn't it? Yeah, it did. uh, we could just listen to them. Well, it was good, uh, I enjoyed it. It's far more interesting to listen to other people. Up at the uh, BMW garage, I just get the impression it's not going as smoothly for them as some of the other GTE team. We had problems with 82 yesterday, whereas 81's turn have an issue. Uh, it's been in for a few minutes. Uh, it went up the high jacks and the medium jacks, and now it's having its alignment done again. So it's being strung. It's, it has those strings at both sides, and also it has the uh, measuring side on the wheels. They're looking to the camera, the caster. Uh, they're also uh, tightening up a number of parts of the car. So I get the impression it's just not feeling right. They can't work out why it's not feeling right. So they've gone through a complete let's have a look at the front end moment, and they'll go back out again. I think it's probably going to get back out again about five minutes but for now more problems for BMW. Well I'm down at Corvette now and I'm uh, just going to push my way in a conversation between Jan Magnussen and Mike Rockefeller. So how's this uh, session looking for you now Mike? Uh, so far so good I mean we just try to uh, you know do more laps and uh, understand the car what we need to do in the race how the track is developing um, so yeah I felt quite quite happy in the car um, yeah, for sure, it's always nice to be out there on the track. It's just so close in this class, isn't it? It's fractions of a second. Yeah, uh, I think it will be the whole race. Uh, we will also see in qualifying, uh, it's super, super close. So uh, let's wait for the race, but uh, I'm sure it's the fight uh, to watch in the 24 hours of Le Mans this year again. Let's move over to Jan. You've been with this team a long time, and they are still some of the best pit crew in the business. They can maybe save you a second or two in the pits. Yeah, I think uh, it's always been one of the strengths of Corvette racing, it's how organized and disciplined they are. So uh, hopefully we'll just have normal pit stops with nothing else. But if we do get into a situation, and usually they're very well prepared for that as well, and that shouldn't lose us too much time. So, But hopefully we can stay out of trouble and they can, they, they, and they can just do normal pit stops, fuel tires and a driver once in a while. Yeah, and you've been doing this so long, but you still seem to be enjoying it so much. I don't think you're going to stop anytime soon, are you? No, I don't have any plans on stopping anytime soon. I love what I'm doing. Obviously, being part of Corvette Racing has a lot to do with that because it's a fantastic team to be involved with, and we always know there's a chance to win. Fantastic people around me, from the engine guys to the engineers, mechanics, drivers. I absolutely love it, so I'll finish when they kick me out. <laughs> You're still as fast as you were 10 years ago? Absolutely. There you are, that's a great answer. Are you still enjoying racing in America particularly? You're always so welcome in the States. Yeah, I love racing in America. The fans are great. The tracks that we go to are super old school tracks, which I really love. It's like when I started racing in Formula Ford in England, that's the type of tracks that we raced at. Now I get to do it in some pretty fast cars in America in front of some fantastic fans. I love it. Strange year last year because you didn't win a race, but you won the title. Yeah, and at the moment we're on that same route. It's starting to piss me off a little bit, but uh, it's not that we're not fast enough to win. For some reason we're just not putting it together. Uh, that last little bit, but we're always there with a chance to win a race. But if we keep getting podiums, we'll keep getting championships. But uh, we'll get a win, Norris. We're excited to see the eight coming and wondering where the engine is. Find out at Daytona, won't we? I'll, yeah, probably. 
Nice to, have, nice to have the engine in the back. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Well, two scoops then there. Uh, Nick Tierman with Collis. Uh, and then the seat. We know the engine's going to be in the back of the seat. The question for me is, will Corvette keep building the front engine car and run it alongside for the street car? And I think there'll also be a V6 entry-level version for the mid-engine car. Um, I'd be surprised if that wasn't the case, but I've got a strong suspicion that the classic car will continue to be built in slightly smaller numbers. Uh, very, very close moment for Lawrence Van Tuert whilst Andrew was talking there. Coming into Mulsan Corner, Mira Konopka breaking rather earlier in the prototype than Lawrence in the Porsche was expecting, and he had to go almost into the Ebis carpet park there. He actually went round the roundabout, albeit sideways, just managed to miss hitting the curb either as well, actually. Fantastic piece of head-up driving by uh, Lawrence Vanter, but he's ruined a set of Michelins there. Had a quick chat with Lawrence and with Kevin Estra and with Michael Christensen just before I came on shift, and they said they were all going to have a go for pole position. And 92 car back into the pits now. Change of tyres for the car, possibly a change of underwear for Lawrence. Larry was in good form. We were talking air-cooled Porsches, of course we were. He was showing some interest in my 993. He might be going to a new home. They've already got the front off that car. Kanopka, by the way, I'm getting a report that he did hit the barriers a lap or two ago at the far side of the circuit but he's continued that was too close for comfort uh, the honest ape says is changing tires while refueling allowed this year or does it start from next no it's been allowed all this year and it goes away next year that's the what we've heard it will happen at least although that's not been confirmed yet actually uh, in sporting ranks uh, next season not next year yeah yes indeed uh, yes don't, yes don't forget next, yeah, next season point. starts in uh silverstone next year starts in january um yes and, uh, we're gonna have to get used to that aren't we we just have to find new vocabulary really you're gonna pick me um, up on that a lot paul i can feel <laughs> it uh, so if the situation is that you can change tires and refuel here at the Mon this year but you can't, we're expecting that not to be the case from next season. Although ELMS has already made that change back, but of course, because their season started, this in season January. started, started yes. in whenever it was, yes. um, they're already able to do that. Yes, yeah, so, um, looking down at uh, the uh, times from the LMP1 non-hybrid Dragon Speed car, the number 10 car, which uh, Henrik Hedman uh, has been doing a large part of the driving on in this session. Uh, Renga van der Zander went out and did an earlier since at the beginning of the session, but Henrik has been out for nine laps, uh, two before the red flag and seven now. He's on his eighth. Um, so that car in Henrik's hands hasn't actually improved. What I expect is that we'll get Ben Handley yeah. into it uh, or Renga van der Zander at the end of the session to go for a quicker lap. Quite a lot of people saying, why can't Krohn just run through the Rotelamon paddock and grab a bronze driver. Um, the answer for that is they could absolutely do that. However, to be in the road to Le Mans, you don't have to be qualified at Le Mans. And to race in the 24, you do. And that means you have to have done your sim sessions. You have to have done 
your uh, right number of laps at test day, just you have to have done your requisite laps at test day or in the practice sessions. Now, there is a list of those drivers who are already pre-qualified, and I dare say there will be some around the circuit. But just because you're here with a licence, hmm, like me, in fact, I'm a in C, yeah, in fact, I'm an in B. List, My name's not on the list, exactly right. But uh, I mean, the other aspect to it is it's, it's a Dempsey Proton car, but it's very much uh, Tracy's project. And I... Honestly, I don't think that Nick Johnson would want to race with anybody but Tracy in the car alongside him. Uh, you know, the, the two the two go back a long way. And uh, so, yes, I mean, there are various options open to the team, but ultimately, you know, it's the team's decision what they do. And, you know, it, they will do what they want to do. And I think that's what we heard when uh, Nick was talking to Patrick Long about the whole yeah. thing. Uh, you know, they haven't really decided what they want to do yet. And uh, Patrick was a bit caught on the hoof because he had he didn't know what was going to happen and so he didn't really know what he was supposed to say to Nick. Just to go back to the to two of those things, Dan Conway says, that sounds pretty silly to me, never heard of that before. Um, no, the, the situation is Le Mans and the 24 hours of Le Mans, a bit like the Nürburgring, you can't just turn up and race here. You have to qualify into it and prove that you have got the skills to be able to race here. Um, and because of the huge differences in speed so it, it would not be a sensible thing to throw a bronze driver into it who had no experience of being on this track in the past or being with lmp1 cars on the past and gert in terms of tires and wheels wasn't it from this season uh, i thought i saw it last Le Mans. yes it it is from this season it started last year it's been in effect for one season and it's going to be taken away at the end of this season because it's dangerous, quite frankly, uh, and also it hasn't added anything to the show. In fact, quite honestly, it's taken it's, it's taken strategy out of it. Last year, we had the ridiculous situation here of Toyota changing tyres and bodywork every stop because they had time to do it whilst they were filling the tank with fuel. And the whole point of endurance is that you, you want to try and make everything last longer and therefore tyre strategy was taken out of the game pretty much totally. There is, there is still a limit on the number of tyres that are. you're allowed to use, um, but uh, that limit calls for 12 sets of tyres across 24 hours. So yeah. uh, if you do change tyres at every stop, then you're going to run out, but there's nothing to stop you recycling the tyres. So using them for a stint uh, and then letting them cool down, put them in the cupboard, whatever you want to do, and then bring them out later on. And that's what we were seeing a lot of the time. Uh, happening. Uh, just Dem Dempsey would be qualified for the 99. He is on the list and Patrick Dempsey is here. Let's go to Andrew. Uh, sorry, Andrew, I'm not sure yeah. where you are. I've been Aston Martin problems with the 95. Can I just going to dive in with Paul Howard now, the team manager? Paul, just look, have we got a diff problem or something under there? Uh, he's got a small vibration, an annoying vibration. We're trying to figure out what it is. So you're not sure what it is and but yeah. meanwhile you're going to change the front brakes as well? Just uh, Well, no, we've been bedding brakes anyway, so... Uh, that was the plan. So we're just trying to find out what this this uh, harmonics are at the moment. And then we'll fix it. Back on the track soon. Yeah. Just down the pit lane at the Signatech Alpine car, the 36. This has been uh, in the garage with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve people uh, peering at various parts of it. The problem is uh, uh, an electric.
electrical problem. And they've had to bring in the Gibson guys. Of course, all the P2 cars have a Gibson engine, uh, and they are just pouring over a computer. It's so important, they brought a second computer out. So they are tracing an engine issue, or it could be an engine or a Gibson issue, but they are uh, completely stumped at the moment. The second, the second Gibson man with the second computer has now arrived, John. It's going to be a, a major IT investigation. <laughs> it's a network issue, isn't it? Uh, anything happening at Bicollis? They still haven't done I any laps this I year. I just saw the car as I turned around. I've just seen the car on the uh, the apron, but then I saw the driver open the door again, and it's gone back in the garage. So it got as far as the apron, and then it went back to the garage again. So whether it's a, is it a lap, we didn't do a lap, and then come back in an hour again. Uh, Real Slim says, good news, simultaneous fuel and tyres robbed the sport of strategic options. Yes, and that's exactly one of the reasons why. Uh, there you go. The uh, I've been taking the task about my comments on the Rebellion livery. I can't disagree with anybody who says at least it's not red, white and black like all of the other cars in LMP1 were for one season. Yes, well, that is true, but I still... <laughs> I'm still struggling with it just a little bit. Um, we've had art cars in LMP1 before. They were trying to tout it as the first ever LMP1 art car. BMW did an art car um, from a female artist um, back in the day with one of the V12 LMRs, if you remember. Jenny, somebody or other, Paul. Uh, yeah, strictly speaking, again, I'm picking up on niceties. That was an LMP900 car rather than an LMP1 car. But yes, I mean, uh, you could, I mean, art cars have been features uh, of Le Mans for a long time, but um, I, I, I think it's fine. I think it's a good way to do it. Um, the Signatech car, just to go back to Nick's question uh, a little while ago, the 36 Signatech Alpine uh, has done 12 laps altogether in this session. Andre Le Grau's been out in it. Uh, as soon as Nicolas Lapierre got into it, uh, it then came back in straight away. So uh, something that Nicolas Lapierre did to the car, it didn't like. Uh, and that's why it's been in the pit since then. And Curry, back up in London, our producer this evening, has reminded me it was Jenny Holzer who had that. A quick update from Andrew before we do the hourly update. Yeah, just time down at number three, uh, Rebellion. They've got the car back. They're already unbolting the engine. I had a look around. I can't see a hole in the block, but it was obviously a catastrophic failure. And, uh, that was noisy, wasn't it? That's why I like me. That's the IDEF car going. Yeah, so the, the, the car is back in the garage. They're taking the engine out and putting a fresh Gibson in. The hourly update with Silverstone, the home of British motor racing. A fresh Gibson of the a fresh Gibson of the development variety. Toyota number eight, Fernando Alonso at the wheel. Let's have a listen. Okay, so we'll continue with this level of downforce. Yes, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's okay. What do you want to do? Change the rear end. Yes, we could. If you really need it. No, it's okay. You need the test with uh, hand booking. Okay, I agree. Right, all about the downforce settings of that car heading into Mulsanne Corner now and coming back towards the pits, coming back to towards us in the pit lane. We've got half an hour to go and we'll stay with this live and there's two more hours, of course. We'll have Johnny Palmer in the studio to team up with Paul Truswell for the last 120 minutes. Keep the tweets coming in. Hashtag Mobile One RLM. Hello to Rob Jayner. First proper listener and watch of this year's coverage. 
new job in motorsport in the next few weeks, which means I'll actually be there next year. Ooh, I need the skinny on that rope. We need to know what's going on. And uh, Jack Gabriel says, it's 16 years today that I first went to Le Mans. Remember running up the hill at Inside Tete Rouge for the first quality. My life hasn't been the same since. I know exactly what you mean. It was me in 1989, and I've missed one since then, so this is my 30th. And I can't see it ending anytime soon. 91.2 FM, this is Radio Le Mans, live from the Circuit de la Sarte. The hourly update with Silverstone, the home of British motor racing. So let's take a look at the hourly update with half an hour still to go. Toyota Gazoo racing first and second. Mike Conway and Alonso in the seven and eight cars. 3.15.4, 3.15.9 set very early on in this session. Then Toyota, uh, after Toyota Gazoo racing, SMP, the 11 car, Stoffel van Dorn last in that car. Andre Lotter has just gone out in the number one Rebellion racing car, which has uh, been... Uh, having its troubles tonight, but not as bad as the number three. That one was a bit late on parade. The number three has grenaded the engine. Thomas Laurent got stranded out at the Mulzan corner. That car's back and being rebuilt at the moment. Dragon speed, 31. Ricardo Gonzalez. In fact, the top four chassis are all Oricas in LMP2 with Jackie Chan DC Racing, hoping Tung just going back out on the track. Signatec with... Uh, Nico Lapierre, the 36 car in the pits, and TDS racing in fourth position. The best of the rest is the Delara Racing Team Netherlands. And then it's the first of the Legiers, and that is United Autosports number 22. Paul De Resta just gone out in that car. In pro, the car that nicked the provisional overnight pole late on, Harry Tinknell, put that time in, is now back in that car. He's fighting against Patrick Pelier and Max Martin in the 93 and 97 Porsche and Aston Martin and then there's a couple of Porsches for Richard Leitz and uh, Mathieu Jaminet in Am it's still the Dempsey Proton racing Satoshi Hashino is out in the 88 car at the moment second is Aguido Perfetti in the Team Project 1 Porsche in second and it's still a Porsche 123 there oh no it's not because the spirit of race Thomas Fleur is in third position Christian Reed, the only man who have done all of the FIA WEC races in this current iteration, uh, is in fourth place in the 77. That's how they stand. 27 and a half minutes to run before the chequered flag. And then two hours after that, you'll hear all of the action and the battle for pole position here on 91.2 FM and RS1 and RS3 on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. The Hourly Update with Silverstone, the home of British motor racing. Track temperature on Radio Le Mans with Dunlop, winning for over 130 years. Beautiful evening here and the sun has been out for quite a long time. That's had a big effect on the track temperature. Got up as high as nearly 28 degrees Celsius. It's dropping back a little bit now as much of the track is getting into the shade and it obviously depends where you take the uh, measurement. But at the moment, 25.6 degrees here at Le Mans. Track temperature on Radio Le Mans with Dunlop winning for over 130 years. Well, Andrew's down in the MR Racing number 70 Ferrari. This is the uh, Japanese team with uh, Motoaki Ishikawa. I'm not sure how good your English is, 
Uh, you founded this team, it's called MR Racing, because it's you and your wife, Ren, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. The car is very nice. Uh, the car setup is uh, amazing, so I prefer this setup this time. So uh, now uh, my lap time is uh, not, so, not so bad. So, uh, and uh, Eddie and Olivier is faster, yes. Yeah, but they're very experienced professional racing drivers, aren't they? You've got a great team. Olivier, actually, yes. his 23rd start in this race. That's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Olivier, Olivier has uh, very experience uh, in Ruman, and uh, this time, uh, 23rd, uh, uh, 23rd for him. And next year, he will uh, join uh, 24th hours and that is that will be uh, 24th unbelievable it's great to talk to you i'm going to just grab a quick word with olivier beretta here olivier your 23rd start and i think what is it four wins you've had uh six six wins sorry yes yes uh, it's been always a, a pleasure to be in le mans i have been lucky to drive for a big manufacturer also mechanics good teammate and uh, I'm still here with a nice team and driving a beautiful car, so I'm very happy. Good. And how's the car going at the moment? Uh, right now we are doing our plan. Eddie is doing uh, a long run to see what is going on for the race. We are not so much focused on qualifying, but uh, so far so good. Your 23rd Lamar, will you do a 24th? <clears throat> I hope so. That's it, good answer. Olivier. Uh, down with uh, TDS Racing and uh, Mathieu Vaxivier. Uh, Mathieu, how's the, uh, how's the day going? How's qualifying going for TDS? Uh, pretty good at the beginning. Now we are struggling a bit with the, with the car since two, three, two, three runs. So we, we just focus on that to be ready for the, for the race. It's most important compared to the quality. So yeah, we need to put in one set of new tyre now, but the car was not good. So we need, we need to work on it. And, uh, and maybe we can uh, we can fight for quality later, but for the moment it's not the it's not the main thing. You say the car's not good. I mean, it's a car that was here last year and the same. And how different is the track from year to year, from day to day? Ah, it depends. It's uh, typically the track will be getting better and better. This year we have a bit of uh, of rain as well between these days, so maybe this affect a bit the condition on the track, and maybe it will be not the the fastest uh, lap time LMP2 tonight, but uh, let's see, we will see. A chance perhaps of one really quick run late at night in the dark when it's cool? Yeah, not too much dark, but I think at 10, 10.30 it could be, it could be a, a good time. Thank you, Mathieu from GDS. And John, problems at Mulsanne? Yeah, there's been a lot of people who've missed their breaking points and gone round the roundabout or had to avoid people who were breaking too early and gone round the roundabout. Ben Keating in the Ford, the number... Uh, 85 car there. Uh, he's missed his breaking point and ended up in the sand uh, after finding two and a half seconds or thereabouts uh, since yesterday. That car going particularly well uh, this evening. So slow zones then out from Marshall Post 16. So just after the second, in the middle actually of the second chicane. And then all the way through to Mulsanne Corner and then everybody opens up again.
That is where the number seven is at the moment. Jose Maria Lopez has just left the pit, so his warming up of his Michelin tyre has been completely nonced up by that pull. Yeah, yes, Paquito having taken the car over from Mike Conway uh, there, so uh, they're uh, cycling through their drivers. The idea being that uh, by putting the start of the slow zone in the middle, as it were, of the chicane, you, you just avoid the acceleration and then brake again. So you basically you slow down for the chicane and then you never speed up again in order to go and they try and position the slow zones in such a way that uh, they're in acceleration zones wherever you can. Three minutes stop and hold penalty. Eddie Cheever Jr. being pinged in the MR Racing Ferrari. Constant abuse of track limits. There's been a few of those that I haven't bothered mentioning. Uh, Vlander has got one. Uh, that's the first penalty, though. Yeah, correct. Westbrook got one as well. Richard Westbrook in the Ford got a black and white flag. So that's your final warning. Yeah. Uh, but as you say, Eddie Cheever Jr., the first one to be reported to the stewards for constant abuse and now has a stop and hold penalty Normally what for you that. get is uh, two warnings um, over the radio, um, so they won't actually get into the public domain. Uh, and then the third offence will be greeted with a black and white flag and then the fourth offence in the race will be a drive-through penalty. Uh, however, a drive-through penalty in a qualifying session doesn't really amount to any sort of penalty at all. Um, so what they do in the uh, case of a, uh, of a qualifying session is to take some of the qualifying session away from you by holding you in the pits for uh, about three minutes. Uh, just quickly on Fernando Alonso, we heard him on the radio a little while ago uh, explaining that he'd like to stay out for a little bit longer. Kaz Nakajima was limited to doing five laps. Fernando Alonso now on to his eighth lap of this stint. So uh, enjoying himself out there. Stoffel van Dorn, you described John doing his little stint in the SMP. Um, but he's now brought the number 11 car back into the pits. Andre Lotterer is in the pits with the number one rebellion. And Igor Ibrutschev is also in the pits with the number 17 SMP. Shea uh, has just reminded me Ben Keating went off in exactly the same place as last year when they went off during the race, and that cost them. Uh, the chance of a win finished third last year of course good point um, it's not going to cost them the win this year but it's going to cost them a bit of time uh, let's go to Nick Damon uh, who is enjoying the evening uh, has the sun completely gone down behind the the tribunes now Nick uh, no I can just see it poking it's very but nice. you're in shadow or I am in shadow the little aura is just poking above the uh, Ooh, the advert get for, you uh, for the tyre manufacturer on the opposite side. Uh, with the SMP pit, which if you were an SMP fan, you'd be horrified. Both cars up on hijacks. But to me, this is um, pretty standard stuff. Obviously, they need a bit longer to get them to full race mode. Uh, and they need an hour and a half for a longer lunch, a leisurely longer Russian lunch or dinner. And they are just tweaking the car, putting a few bits of tape here and there, having a quick check of the ride height, making sure everything's greased. Um, I'm quite enjoying the man who's actually vacuuming the air in the uh, air filter as well. That's quite good. So uh, lots of little things going on in both cars. But I would think are probably just getting more into race mode, unless both cars have exactly the same problem at exactly the same time, which is unlikely. All right, I'll give you that. Uh, Chris Ring has reported that the number 85 is back on the track. The Keating Motorsports car, which was stuck down at uh, Mulzan. Let's see if he gets that back round to the pit. Oh, it was being dragged out with a snatch vehicle, but still showing us stopped. Uh, Pat Long and Patrick Dempsey, two mates who have driven here before. 
both massive Porsche fans and Porsche air-cooled fans in particular. Pat Long, one of the driving forces behind Luftgekult, the air-cooled festival, which came to the UK for the first time last year. And they've just had a, well, I'll say earlier this year, I've had a very successful uh, German event in, uh, in Berlin. 67 Ford in the pit lane at the moment, with a bit of damage on the left rear wheel arch. Just on the top of it, there's been a bit of contact there, I think possibly from behind. And that's put a crack in the wheel arch right at the top. And the guys are looking at the suspension underneath that. See if there's any damage, I think. We'll find out what's happening there in a wee moment or two. Let's uh, go down to a family affair in the pit lane, not uh, unusual. We've got, a, uh, we've got a father and son, a couple of father and son, had a few father and sons down through the years. We've got one here this weekend, but this is not the one I was expecting, Andrew Marius. Yeah, I'm with uh, Jean-Marc Goulet, actually. His uh, son has just walked off at Jean-Marc, because uh, just trying to remember how many Le Mans you did. He's tapping my helmet. <laughs> I have no idea. You can answer to that? Uh, about 15, at least. No, I don't think so. Between uh, some, some of them tell me 12, but I don't think so. I think 10 at least. What, what was the best car you raced here, McLaren? But after the best car is the best result many times. But uh, at the end, every story is different. McLaren was a perfect story. Means uh, private team, no mistake. Their driving change, perfect, no mistake, and good results. After you had uh, some nice story with courage, with no test, and the car which was very good for no test, and that that different line. What's it like being a racing dad? Well, it's uh, it's uh, I am quite happy honestly to be there because you know last time I came was with a wrecker. I was divorced also, I had to come with Jules because uh, other in my bag I couldn't do uh, anything. Also he spent the time with me in, uh, in Le Mans, all the race with Frank Montagny and Stefan Ortelli and he discovered that and uh, suddenly boom, the eyes uh, were in fire. <laughs> well it was great to remember all those great races you had in the BPR series as well. Great to speak to Jean-Marc uh, uh, and I'm just walking out of the racing garage. Down uh, the pit lane, I just uh, walked up here to find out what was going on the 67. He's left. I just saw the seats at Alpine come out after its engine problems, and even the bike Collins has joined the front. So everyone was doing a lap, obviously, apart from the SMPs. Ben Keating's back with the uh, Ford 85. No real damage I can see on that one. They give it a bit of vacuum and a clean up. So uh, some in, some out, but on the whole, lots of laps being turned, John. That was the 67 Ford that uh, Nick was talking about there. Hello to Emily Morrell, who started a new job. And everybody's very envious because of what you've tweeted there, Emily. But I'm glad to see that even though you're watching the broadcast feed, uh, you're listening in on RS1 back in uh, Rainy Hove, actually, uh, down on the south coast. It's Paul Truswell and John Hindorf here with 15 minutes of this session to go. Are we going to get a little flurry of excitement uh, 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 at the end? Absolutely we are. Um, I mean, there's always a flurry of excitement. Well, you and I will be excited, whatever happens, uh, but uh, uh, is the listener going to get one? There is reason to be excited as right. well, because Nick Damon just told us the 67 Ford has left the uh, pit lane. Uh, Harry Tignall is aboard. Cast your mind back to yesterday evening's final qualifying, or first qualifying session, the final event of yesterday evening. Uh, quarter to midnight, Harry Tignall went out uh, and went to set the fastest time in GTE Pro, which 
which is a 349.530. Now, we haven't had an improvement in GTE Pro as you've been going through doing the hourly updates. The times you've been giving in the GTE Pro class have been last night's times, and Harry Tinknell did uh, put that time in right at the end of the session uh, yesterday. Um, he won't do it straight away. He'll want to get himself dialed in, I would think, uh, get himself uh, settled in with the car. Then they'll come in put a new set of tyres on and then let him go for it. But uh, uh, that's going to happen in GT, I'm sure. Because what tends to happen is you get to the end of the session, uh, one or two teams are going to say, oh, let's call it a night, let's go for dinner, and then we'll go out nice and early uh, at 10 o'clock when the next session starts. But it means that the, the circuit just quietens down a bit, um, and that just gives you a slightly better opportunity to get a clear lap uh, when you go round and do, your, uh, uh, do the qualifying, because it's so important when you're doing qualifying to have a clear lap to, uh, to yourself to do. Uh, Fernando Alonso out of the Toyota number eight. That's now gone into the hands of Sebastian Buemi. Uh, so all three Toyota drivers of the number eight car have uh, done some laps this evening. Alonso having been a bit, a bit greedy. He wasn't in, a, in a, any nasty way greedy. He was talking to the race engineer and saying he was happy to stay out to do a couple more laps. He did. Uh, but anyway, it's Buemi now at the wheel of the number eight Toyota. Down at the uh, the Porsche garage with Lawrence Van Turf from 92. Lawrence, uh, that was a bit of a moment with the uh, Art Van der Slava car. Yeah, uh, a little bit. <laughs> um, honestly, it was a bit stupid for my part. Uh, I was in a long run and I was in a very good rhythm. Fuel was coming down, and uh, you know, then you gain top speed here and was on, good, some, on a good lap. I got passed by the prototype, and I knew I had to take more care. Uh, I didn't want to sacrifice the lap and still break late, but. Obviously, it was not a quick, quicker guy in the car, and he braked early, and uh, it surprised me, and I had to avoid. And I was pretty sure, actually, I was going to be hard on the wall, but somehow, third left, went full on power and managed to take a roundabout. I don't know how I did it, but uh, definitely not a great thing to do. Uh, but good thing is the car is quick, so just stop making mistakes. Pretty impressive, because you're very, very close to the, the big old road curb on the right-hand side. Yeah, don't ask me to do it again because I will never ever be able to do that. Just somehow natural instinct to turn left and full on power and hope it spins away, and it did. Uh, so, yeah, no idea how. John Heindorf reminded me that he actually said to you, be safe, Lawrence, be safe. And you, you forgot John's advice. None of, apparently you said safe is slow, so the, perhaps, perhaps safe is a better bet. Actually, that's a very good comparison now. I said to him, safe and slow, and I didn't want it to be uh, slow, and uh, nor are I safe, so that's what happens. Lawrence, thanks, mate. Well, I'm with uh, Miro Konopka here. Miro's just having a bit of discussion. And uh, exactly, but uh, just having a bit of discussion in Slovakia, which I don't understand. Miro, can I grab you for a second? They're looking at the rear wing at the moment and discussing issues. Miro, um, was that a bit of a close call there with Lawrence Van Thor out there? Hey, we have a lot of problem with car and uh, still problem, problem, problem. It's unsatisfied totally. You've been to Le Mans before, it's a, a tough call, it's a tough shout, but it's great to see you here and obviously qualifying through the Asian Le Mans series to get here. Uh, yeah, we will come to Asia Le Mans and, uh, for next season, but uh, now my mind is absolutely for another <laughs> direction. 
I've got to leave you. I'm going to leave you. So his mind's in another direction, and who can blame him? Miro Konopka representing Slovakia, of course. He'd had an off the previous lap as well, in fairness, at the same spot. So that's probably why he was a little bit circumspect down at Mulsanne. And I think he'd actually brushed the wall there. I said it was close. What are two people tweeting in to say? Uh, he, he might have brushed the wall. I, I did have a word with Larry, and I, I, as I said to all racing drivers, be safe out there, guys. And he turned and he said, safe is slow. I went, no, really, I want to see you back in here later on. So we're going to have I'm gonna have to have a word with him after that. Hello uh, to Christian, Christopher Matthias, who's li listening at, in from Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, Pennsylvania, about a mile north of Penske, Penske Racing's former HQ, getting ready for work. Should be an interesting rest of the day for qualifying. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, at Radio Le Mans, uh, hashtag Mortal One Radio Le Mans. Sorry, Paul, go ahead. Uh, yeah, fast, new fastest lap in the GT Pro class. Uh, Lord, I yes. think uh, um, whatever Harry Tignall is going to do, because Michael Christensen has done uh, a 349-388. First driver to get into the 49s in this evening's qualifying session. Uh, yesterday we had one, two two cars in the 49s, one of which was uh, the Harry Tignall time, the other one was the number 93 Porsche, and, uh, Michael Christensen in the 92 car, so uh, he is now in the 49s and quickest of all in GT Pro, but with every opportunity for other people to go uh, more quickly. Uh, another car which... And by the way, I would say that um, Kevin Estra, Lawrence Vanter and Michael Christensen told me that they were all going to have a go for pole position in that car if they needed to. Big uh, grassy moment for Proton Competitions. A former Bentley boy, Vincent Abril, rookie uh, this year. One of 33 new drivers to Le Mans this year. The 78 car just coming through out of the, uh, uh, out of the, what I still want to call the Forest S's down toward Turt Rouge, former Bentley boy. Yeah, I think you can still call it the Forest S's. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, this is on Abril, uh, Bentley Continental boy. Yeah. Uh, you say a Bentley boy at, uh, at Le Mans and people immediately think Speed 8. True. So, um, Although we have got a Continental here this weekend. Uh, in, in the Road, in the road to, to Le Mans, Mans but yeah. I think it's an early one. Yeah. And, and I heard Johnny and Shea speculating earlier on that that was the first Bentley that had been competing here since 2003 when they won it and I think that's probably right I don't think they've had a GT3 car here in uh, any of the other I, races I must admit I haven't uh, taken detailed records of what's happened in the road to Le Mans we certainly had road to Le Mans events which have had GT3 cars in them whether Correct. there's been a Bentley there uh, for sure I can't tell you but uh, we can look it up um, Ben Hanley I wanted to uh, talk about the Dragon Speed BR1 the, the BR1 with the Gibson engine uh, that car has been um, not setting the track at lights this evening, uh, but Henrik Hedman's been getting some useful laps in. Uh, ben went out in the car, uh, did one lap and brought the car back into the pits and uh, hasn't taken it out again, and that was about 15 or 20 minutes ago. So I hope all is well with the Dragon Speed BR1 Gibson number 10. Uh, let's say ben Handley should be the one who's uh, earmarked to improve on the car's lap times uh, and the two SMPs having been very very quick at the beginning of this session remember uh, currently the last drivers of those two Stoffel van Dorn in the number 11 Igor Rudchev in the number 17 uh, both of those cars have been in the pits for a little while and I suspect that they'll be coming out again for a final little flurry in these uh, remaining seven minutes of the session now John everybody around the circuit tweeting in using the hashtag mobile one rlm telling me that the moment 
that the sun goes down and they're in shade, the temperature drops. Air temperature now down at under 20 degrees Celsius. The track temperature, which was nearly 29 uh, not so very long ago. I mean, this session's only been um, going for an hour and 54 minutes. Uh, and it's now down to 24 and a half degrees. Track temperature coming here via Dunlop. Over 100 years of competition and will continue to be represented here at Le Mans despite the name change to Goodyear next year or the brand change to Goodyear for the WEC tyres next year. The Dunlop Bridge will remain and of course Dunlop will still race here at Le Mans, albeit on the Bugatti circuit uh, with the motorcycles that they're involved with here. An improved time for the Enso CLM, uh, the number four car entered by Bicolis Racing. Uh, Tom Dillman uh, setting a time of 3.23.726. He's still the slowest of the LMP1 cars, uh, but at least now is just five hundredths of a second slower than the next car up. So uh, very close indeed for the last two places in LMP1, but Tom Dillman at least uh, getting going nicely now for Enso. I'm down at uh, Dragon Speed here. You were speculating on whether the car will go back out. It won't. Here with Renga van der Zander. Renga, what's going on with your car here? What are they doing? They seem to be working on the transmission. Uh, we're having some issues with the electronic part on the car, but right now we seem to have, because of that, more issues with the gearbox. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of people involved right now to solve this problem because, uh, uh, as of now, it's, um, it's something we can't change every uh, every 45 minutes of driving if you go into a 24-hour race. So uh, a lot to uh, a lot to improve, I would say. But uh, not so good news out of here. So this has been a reoccurring problem. So, uh, what? The problem. The problems reoccurred. Yeah, exactly. It happened a few times during the year already, and um, the suppliers came up with different solutions. But it's still not the solution, obviously. So a bit of frustrating right now. Okay, thank you, Renga. Not as usual, the Boolean self, so they've, no. they've got a big transmission problem down here. And of course, that was the car that lost uh, a good 40 minutes in yesterday's uh, qualifying session uh, when Renga van der Zander was actually in the car. He got stranded out on the circuit with gearbox issues, so uh, a recurrence of that uh, problem we can see for Dragon Speed. And of course, the trouble is that time spent in the garage trying to solve problems is not only a bad omen for what happens in the race, but it's also losing you track time, uh, which is very valuable in order to get the car race ready for the race itself. But uh, hopefully Dragon Speed will get those issues sorted. Corvettes are rumbling. I can hear them. Uh, one's just gone by now. And it's uh, Tom Milner and who's in the 60... Three cards. Tony no, Garcia. Antonio Garcia. 3.49.4. Yep. So he gets amongst it there. And that puts him up in the second position behind Michael Christensen. And that is only the second driver tonight in GTE that's got into the 49s. So 49.3 for Porsche 92. Garcia in the 63 Corvette with a 49.4 and a 49.5 from last night, remember, from Harry Tinknell, who's out again in the red and white, the 67 Ford. Yes, and the other one in the 49s also from last night was uh, Nick Tandy in yes, the 93 Porsche. So those are the four, two from last night, two from tonight into the 49s. And still with the opportunity of further improvements. Of course, when the chequered flag comes out, that is 
uh, the end of the session, but it's not the end of the times because you can finish the lap that you're on uh, and it's not like a red flag situation where you have to slow down immediately. You finish the lap that you're on at full speed, so uh, there'll still be fast times coming through as the chequered flag falls and uh, potentially for about three or four minutes after the chequered flag falls. Just trying to decide whether there's going to be somebody on a quick lap here or whether we dare take a break for the weather <laughs> and then come back. I think we better yes. wait. Uh, until after the chequered flag where we've got a couple of cars at the moment including the Porsches Christensen's pitted but we've got the American Porsches in that Brumos 59 tribute livery the 93 car just starting a lap that's Patrick Peele with the blue sills on that car coming down to Turt Rouge now with a perfectly clear track ahead of him, rides the curb on the inside, runs out to the blue and yellow curbs on the left, and now heads out into the country. Beautiful, dappled, golden glow for Pele with the Brumos helmet. Looks down at the steering wheel, stretches his neck just a little bit. He'll be picking out his braking point in the first chicane. Checks to see if there's anybody at the 24-hour restaurant that he knows as he goes by. Maybe he got a table book there for later on. In between the 100 and 200 sign, turns in. Nice entry through there, clips the curb on the inside, runs wide over the white line, have to be careful there. And over the white line on the exit to driver's left. Now, picking up pace again, he'll track across to the left-hand side of the road as he goes down towards the second chicane. He's got nothing ahead of him that's going to cause him problems. 54 is the next car ahead of him. And that is the spirit of race with Giancarlo Fisichella, and he's hauling as well. So the 93 now coming into the second chicane for Porsche. 45 seconds to go as the Toyota number seven goes across the line for Jose Maria Lopez. But it's Porsche that we're interested in at the moment to see if that 93 can pull some kind of time out of the hat as Jimmy Bruni's just done his best lap for Porsche in the 91 car. Fifth position, and he's in the 49 club now. Just 49.9, but he'll take that. Pele, not really done the, the first sector that he would want. So who else can improve at the moment? We have had one improvement, John, from Sam Bird in the AF Corsa Ferrari, number 71. He's in a 350.623, uh, and that is an improvement on his time from yesterday. Checkered flag now being waved, with some gusto, I should say, <laughs> at the start-finish line, or at least at the finish line. And going through there, Alex Lynn in the Aston Martin, number 97, did his personal best first sector, but doesn't improve, 350.0. 3.7 is his best lap. Who else has gone through? Jesse Kron in the BMW Team M Tech number 82 M8. Bruno Senna number one. Did he improve, Paul? No. no. So no improvements here. And through has gone Antonio Garcia. No further improvement there. Francois Perodo for TDS number 28. He's gone through. What about Pile then? He's not going to improve. He's lifted off. Pele, I think, has lifted off, or at least he's cruising, relatively speaking. Fisichella's moving, though. Fisichella's got a chance to improve here in third position in the 54 car. He's coming through the Ford Chicane now. The silver and blue car, the silver and red car, excuse me, and comes through the final Chicane now, heads for the line, currently sitting in 
third position moves to oh no he stays in third but improves his time a 52.8 for that car that is uh, the quickest am time for today though john so uh, that's 352.8 goes ahead of reese goes ahead of reese a car guy racing come later improves as well to a 53.4 that's good enough for fifth in am no other improvements let's go to andrew down in the pit lane yeah i am with uh, antonio garcia what a mega lap that was we're just chasing him uh, while he puts his helmet away well that was a mega lap yeah that counts <laughs> not like yesterday's so that's a plus and yeah i mean yeah the very first lap i got before that one i, I got traffic i don't know what the black board was going around super slow i had i mean i did a mega track limit that of karting but he was cruising down the middle of the racetrack so that really hurt me that lap i don't know how it was but then i uh, i obviously could go again little mistakes tiny ones probably those 500s but again i mean it's pretty decent i mean i'm glad that we are up there like we used to be so it's a good starting point well done thanks sir. i tell you they just fired a corvette up again that's why it's so noisy in here on Radio Le Mans with Jura, Europe's number one garage interior company, www.jura.com. Clear sky, gentle breeze, lovely evening. Uh, sunset tonight in about just under an hour's time, actually, uh, at just on 10 o'clock, which is when the cars uh, will be heading back out onto the circuit. Zero chance of rain, or at least two or three percent. So let's call that a 98 percent of it being dry. I like to look on the bright side and it looks pretty bright for this evening. We'll drop down to a rather chilly nine degrees Celsius overnight. Friday, decent sunny spells at a top temperature of 22. Saturday, much the same or a couple of degrees colder. Sunday, 22 degrees Celsius uh, overcast. Monday is the pick of the weekend, 26 degrees Celsius as we un pack our gear, get ourselves set up to head back to either Germany for the Nürburgring 24 or back to the UK or from whence we have come. That looks like a lovely day on Monday here at Le Mans. The weather is brought to you by Dura, Europe's leading workshop furniture company. In conjunction with Radio Le Mans and three times Le Mans winner Darren Turner, Dura is offering a chance to win a pair of tickets for a day in a professional race car simulator. So if you and a friend would like to hone your racing skills on any of 130 race circuits, visit Dura.com slash Le Mans before midnight on Tuesday the 18th of June. Answer two simple questions and you could be comparing your times to the professionals. For terms and conditions, visit jura.com slash Live, live from Trackside. From Trackside. On 91.2 FM and online at radiolamont.com. At radiolamont.com. You're listening to coverage of the world's most famous motor race, the Le Mans 24 Hours on Mobile One Radio Le Mans. What an interesting session as far as the times go. The action coming late on again, Paul, in GTE Pro. Yes. Early action in, in, in LMP1. In, in the prototypes. Yeah. And, uh, I think the, the, 
we might have seen as much as we're going to get in the prototypes. I think the grid may well just be set there. Uh, just got the feeling, partly driven by what you were hearing from Pascal Vasselon uh, earlier today uh, in that interview that we heard. They've got now the fastest two places, and I can't see either of the SMPs or Rebellions managing to get into the 15s. Uh, although um, the fastest of them at 316.9 aren't that far off, it has to be said. But as the session drew to a close, there was definitely a flurry going on in GTE Pro. And even more so, I would say, in GTE Pro than uh, for the Toyotas at the front of the field, it is important to be up at the front of the field in that area of the grid because it's so close. Uh, I think it was Jan Magnussen who was saying he was wanting there to be uh, a train of all 17 cars, mm. uh, and it could likely be nah, so. We've um, seen it before. So, uh, you know getting that extra couple of tenths could mean uh, a further row forward on the grid and that could mean being a little bit further ahead should anything happen um you know either an incident on the circuit um but it just gives you a bit more flexibility if you are further up so uh, i think there is a possibility that we'll see even quicker times coming at the beginning of the second part of this, or the, the, the final session of qualifying, which will start in just under an hour's time. Which means you better run and get some dinner. I've been there. Have oh, you been? Done the, oh, done very, very good. Uh, Paul Truswell will be back for that session. It'll be Johnny Palmer uh, sitting in this uh, seat. Let me just run you down some of those times then at the top of the shop Toyota Kazoo racing first and second with the seven and eight car respectively 315.4 and 315.9 both set in that session that we've just had completed SMP racing and rebellion uh, next up third and fourth the 11 and one car 316.9 and a 17.3 LMP2 as it was last night no improvements at the sharp end of the field there so 31 dragon speed Orica from Jackie Chan 38 Orica from 36 Signatech Alpine from 28 TDS racing uh, LMP uh, sorry Pro GT Pro Porsche GT nicking it back from Ford so Christensen going to the top from Corvette in second, 92 from 63, 49.3, 49.4, 49.5 for Harry Tinknell. That was last night's time. Then Pele with a time set tonight, 49.5 for Porsche. And Bruni with a time set tonight in fifth for the 91 car, uh, 49.2. So for having three different cars, manufacturers in the top three, we've now got three Porsches in the top five. And in Am, um, Caroli's car, that's the 88 Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche from Team Project 1 in second, the 56 car, and in third, Spirit of Race, Giancola Physicolor. Uh, just getting things sorted right at the end, improving his time, but staying in third position. Stay tuned, Johnny Palmer talking to uh, Buemi and Nakajima next on 91.2 FM, Radio Le Mans, live from Tracksides. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.